Something about the Game Awards. The return of Blue Box. Well, hello there, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing y'all lucky episode 240. And alongside me, returning to glory, or it's actually 241, I'm sorry. Yes, it is, Chris. But returning to glory is Mr. Chris Figs. Just because you oh. missed an episode doesn't mean that the episode <laughs> number doesn't go up. I realize what happened here. This I, is a, uh, you created I'm a document just, titled 240, and uh, this oh, is 241, Screwed you over, huh? <laughs> I mean, you screwed well, us all over. Welcome no. to c- episode 241. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back this week. Uh, you say it like you might not be next week. I'm back this week, <laughs> but I'm on a fine line. <laughs> oh, my God. Given my job, who knows if I'll even be alive this next week. <laughs> Well, that's morbid. And with that, let's keep going on with the show. If this is your first time listening to us or watching us, uh, you can head over and do whichever one you want. If you're listening, but you want to watch, head over to YouTube and give us a like and subscribe and share the, share the video with people that you think might like it. If you are watching, but you prefer to listen so you can go along your day doing other things, head over to any podcast service. If we're not on one, shoot us a message and we will get on there. But I think we're on the majority of them. That said, we like to get this show started off in a time-honored way, and that is to simply get a check-in on what everyone's been doing. So, Chris, since you were gone last week, you've got two weeks of gaming to account for here for the audience. you got to know <laughs> what you were doing, and yeah. uh, it was very little gaming. But go ahead. Tell them what you were doing. It was, it was very little gaming. I've been working a lot. But we play, I played a bunch of Halo with you. Um, I've been playing a lot of Apex. Let's see... I'm going to start Devil May Cry 5, which I guess that's not something I've been playing, but I'm excited to start that. Um, but I've been playing BPM, which is really good. I bought that by accident. So oh, I that game's you download that. Is it a rhythm game? Yeah, it's a rhythm FPS. It's pretty sick. Okay. Yeah, like you shoot. Yeah, I saw the, the name. I was like, this has to be a rhythm game, but yeah. you know. What was that? Because that, I bought Chicory the Colorful Tail or whatever. Oh, I want to yeah. try that. And then... Um, I had BPM in my cart that I had put on my cart on the PSN store. And for some reason that transferred to my phone. So when I bought chicory, I was like, I saw it and it was like 43 bucks. And I was like, no, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm the proud owner of chicory, a colorful tale and BPM. Well, there you are. Um, okay, well, cool. Good little check in. So you, I guess, have you never played devil May Cry five? I played a little bit of regular edition and then um gamestop had special edition for like nine bucks or something like that so I was like i might as well just upgrade it yeah right i mean the game's pretty solid i, I actually really like that game uh yeah it's not like i remember that year i think there were people that were like calling for it to be game of the year and i don't see it i think it's a really good game and it's a, mm-hmm. a surprisingly strong return to form in a time when most people are trying to do reboots it was like we're just gonna make a sequel but that's also that seems to be doing like gaming is clearly doing reboots. But the thing lately, I guess, even in movies, is like let's just make sequels to things. Let's forget <laughs> yeah. the reboots that didn't do well, and then we're just going to pretend those didn't exist. And now this is a sequel. We saw it with Ghostbusters. We're seeing it with The Matrix, which The Matrix never got rebooted. So, mm-hmm. but still, it's instead of rebooting, it's like hey, let's come back with a <clears throat> new sequel, and uh, we see it with games coming back. Yeah, it's a good point. Big homie Terrence Howard, yeah. rest in peace. Fumbled the bag. 
<laughs> if you want more thoughts on that, be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that episode of Midweek Matinee, uh, which I guess we've got to exactly. get. We've got to get going, Chris. I know, uh, I know yeah, work I need, sucks. I need my stuff. You haven't sent me the the video stuff. You are you are not wrong. You are not wrong. I guess we'll have to figure out how we want that to present. But this is a different podcast, so I guess we'll talk about that after the event. So. <laughs> What's been playing? I only played one game this week. Halo. Hey, welcome to the Xbox podcast. That is <laughs> XB. Yeah, I played nothing but Halo this week. Now, to be fair, I didn't play Halo up until... Are you telling me no Pokemon this week? Wednesday. Nope, no Pokemon. I did play Dark Souls Remaster on Switch and uh, Animal Crossing on Switch. But that's just two kind of things that I play every day. Um, but... Yeah, I didn't I didn't play anything except those two games up until Wednesday, and then the story dropped, and I played like two hours of the story, and then starting on Saturday, yesterday, excuse me, I played the story for like ten hours straight, <laughs> and that's why he yawned because he was like mm, <laughs> so tired. Yeah, I am. I stayed up. I literally hopped online at like ten a.m. and I did not go to bed till two a.m. Or no, I went to bed like one a.m. But I played through a majority of the story, and then I play, played through, and I beat it, and I played through the overworld map, and I went through, and I got all the icons that I could unlock. So I did 90% of that, too. Nice. Um, the only thing I'm lacking on the overworld map is the skulls and the um, audio logs. I got everything else unlocked. Yeah, um, I guess I'll continue that tradition. I have been fervorously, feverishly, whatever you want to call it. Feverishly. Uh, I have been looking to see what I'm going to play on PlayStation next, and I think that I have that answer, um, which we'll talk about, I guess, in more depth a little bit later. But essentially, Chris and I are trying to dance around with how quickly with his work schedule <laughs> and mine that we'll be able to play It Takes Two. Yeah. Um, something we've been talking about off and on for like a month, well over a month, I guess, actually <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. So we'll see about that. Uh, but I really, that definitely is is the next thing I can see myself playing on PlayStation. Um, but really, I um, played a bunch of Halo as well. Um, the week came around on Tuesday and restarted and I got the weekly ultimate knocked out in two days, which was kind of nice because I didn't feel like I needed to worry about playing multiplayer as much for challenge sake. But, I hate Twitter. Yeah, that was weird. Look, uh, it's literally just Dark Souls. Anyway, uh, it was kind of nice because I got that knocked out and I didn't feel this need to play every day to try and get that done, which I guess shows that despite the bad progression, or at least it's way better than it was, but still progression that needs work that they've done something to get a hook in me to be like, hey, you should try and complete all the weekly challenges. Uh, but it was kind of fun because I think the problem that Chris and I have talked about a bunch is that when you have games with challenges, and this was the first one I've ever done that has something like this that are tied to your progression, then there's this feeling of like not wanting to play the objective because you're trying so hard to knock these challenges out as quick as you can. But since I got them knocked out in like literally two days, the rest of the week, if I got on and played with anyone, I got to like just focus directly on whatever the objective of the game was mm-hmm. and it was fun for an entirely different reason so the challenges are fun because they make you play the game in a different way but then because you get so used to playing the game in multiple different ways when you don't have those to contend with and you're just playing the objective it's fun in its own way so that was cool and i of course have played um i'd say probably like six hours of the campaign maybe five um or i guess of halo's thing you know and when you have the open world to account for Time played doesn't really account to what you've completed. 
just because of the nature of that type of game. Um, but yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm kind of I'm curious to see what you do once you get more into it because I know that uh, for you on Halo, you got through the first two missions, right? Yeah, you got into the open world and then kind of mm-hmm. had to quit. Yeah, yep. the first two missions are awesome. <laughs> it is. I just love, I just think Chief is so funny. He's just so funny. I love that. And the more moments you can get him, I notice that they give him a lot more meaningful dialogue when they push him into areas that aren't part of the open world. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a handful of missions that will have you go into instance areas that are you load into. I mean, it's quick loading, mm-hmm. but you load into and it's separate from the open world. Uh, and I find that those are my favorite parts of the game because it's weird that it's like the open world is a, a nice addition. I mean, it's not bad, but I find that the game is at its best when it's still playing mostly like an original Halo game where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to really strict, uh, you'd be strict on what you can do and where you can go within this. And I think that that matters because the best story pacing is when you have a linear setup and you're not trying to fight that with a letting people just do what they want when they want. And then right. you have little moments of do what you want when you want that aren't as important, but they world build like, Oh, here's the hunters who are seeking me out. And here's these high value targets that benefit me from doing. They're not like major storytelling points, but they help sell the world. I'll say that this is the best halo campaign. I think there's ever <clears> been <throat> tied up with halo one and two. It's a return to form. Like going, there's a specific part of this game, like where it feels just like halo one. Yeah, I think the it's exploration, amazing. the exploration of the world is good, but it's weird because I, I think I agree with you, but I don't necessarily know that I agree with you because of the fact that, all right, let me say this, I don't think the open world is the biggest uh, identifier of that. No, it's not. That's, yeah. that's the crazy part. It's, it's the <clears throat> environment that's in the ring that you go through. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is very reminiscent of the first time you went in a Halo in Halo 1. It looks, it's, ex- it's the same architecture. It's the exact same layout. It just looks new well and i think what else is cool is that the open world does do this thing where you feel like what you're in is actually part of something because the other games feel like a series of events that are happening but they're just stringed together like here's this and then we've moved you and here you are and the games would occasionally try and sell you on it by being like hey we're going to put you on the back of a vehicle and move you through and you're going to shoot people but it's really scripted and there is something that's cool about being able to be like hey there's something you need to go check out at this dig site and then you just go to the dig site and then you start doing stuff. And eventually you're you're making your way into the dig site in what feels way more linear as you continue to get down into it before you eventually load into a separate instance where you're not part of the open world. And it is pretty much at that point a linear level. Uh, it's kind of what I wonder, like, you know, if we ever do get another Uncharted, we kind of saw this a little bit uh, in the Lost Legacy. But if we ever do get another Uncharted, I would imagine that they're going to try and strike this balance, too, to where it's like you just have an open world and there's interesting things for you to go check out and you start to problem solve in your own way and in your own order. Again, we saw this at a very low, a a smaller scale in the Lost Legacy. But I think Halo shows how traditionally linear games can adopt an open world without sacrificing what made their linear stories good. And that's probably one of the most interesting things uh, about Halo Infinite, uh, I'm, I'm, I, except for, like Saul said, it being just a good campaign. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a strong return to form for a series that I have all, I've often wavered on because I think almost every other Halo game I'm more or less disinterested in. I don't think that, that means they're bad, but, you know. Uh, five, eh. I, yeah, thought, five was, I thought Reach was this weird mix of like, I liked it. 
from a story, Reach was cool. That's yeah. the only thing good about Reach. Yes, I exactly. I like the game. story, but the campaign itself wasn't really that fun. <laughs> ODST, fantastic. I actually think three is not that great of a game, but three campaign wise, I'll have to replay me. three as an adult. But I, I remember <clears> I played <throat> three a lot. I got all the achievements in three. That's how you got the samurai armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's forgettable. But yeah. then again, I played it. I haven't literally played it in. Get this, 14 years since it's been out. Oh, my God. Yeah, I haven't played this since then either, actually. Yeah. Um, we're going to move off of Halo after this. But um, in general, um, Blake was talking about replaying all the Halo games. And, Chris, I think he may have mentioned that you were talking about it, too. Yeah, um, halfway through reach. They're all co-opable up to four players, right? No. Is Halo 2 only is two? two. Yeah, ah. I think Halo 2 is two players. Halo 3 is four Halo 1 is 2. Did they not adjust that whenever they made the anniversary editions? I don't think they could. Uh, I, I, I'd actually be curious as to if that's something they could fix. Yeah, like for sure. From a design standpoint, maybe. Or either way, I think I might do the same. Because, you know, I mean, and I might even really, I might play Halo 5 again to try and understand. Because it's weird. I don't, Halo 5 is very forgettable. Uh, and I think it's the worst thing about it. <laughs> but with all that said, uh, I did finally play my Switch a little bit more. And I've been doing this passive thing where like, the entirety of me enjoying Pokemon is intrinsically tied to my enjoyment of Dexter at the moment. To where I don't think Pokemon's very fun to me if I'm not... like I, They're so tied together that I want to be watching Dexter while I'm playing it. Because Dexter is the actual entertaining thing. And then Pokemon is just the filling my hands with something to do while I'm watching something more interesting. But that's not entirely unlike most Pokemon games anyway. The real fun of Pokemon games happens in-game. So I'm trying to work my way through the story so I can get to end-game to see if I like it more. And uh, <laughs> that's where we are right now. going to go do the beauty contest? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the most interesting part of Pokemon. Let's go do beauty contest. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Like That was my favorite part of those games. I never played the the museum and everything. Yeah, I never played the original um, Diamond Platinum Pearl. Really? Yeah. I think it was that one. Was it that one or? Yeah, I think it's Diamond Pearl. I thought Beauty Contest were part of Oros because I remember that. It might be, yeah. So that and you had to go through, and you had sank. like you had like the thing like here's the cool section, and this move has yeah. so many cool points. Yep. Yeah, it was so much. That's fun. Oros. Oh, okay. that's well, that's originally idiot, Ruby Sapphire, and then also in the yeah. Omega Ruby. And actually, I did that too. It's so good. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, your Charmander is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I know he is cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, and you, you give them berries to help them go yep. towards certain it kind of reminded me of uh the sonic which i don't know if you've ever done but sonic adventure yes um, i've done both it. one and two had the chow garden things where you could like I've feed them certain the chow things. gardens are you kidding the best, I that's the, best the devil chow and the and the angel chow easy oh yeah dude <laughs> easy <laughs> stuff my favorite part it was the, actually the i think it was the first game wasn't it where you could hmm which one was it where as you fed the chows, I think it might have been the second one, where you fed the chows the animals, they would start to, if you fed them enough of yeah, that animal, they would Sonic start to Adventure take on too. their characteristics. Yeah, you'd get like yeah. the bunny ears or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or like the tiger tail or tiger feet and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, that was awesome. Man, those games are so good. Oh. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, we were making jokes the entire time, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, about the hoping that we get Sonic Adventure 3 <laughs> at the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. not what we got, but that's okay. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, moving on, though, um, I guess at this point, we're going to go ahead and start shifting over into the news. And, of course, I think the best thing we can say is the big news piece for this week is um, the Game Awards. 
but we're going to kind of save that as part of community's take and final topic because Chris, I think, aptly said it before we started recording. In many ways, the Game Awards is the news, for better right. or worse. I mean, the, you know, however you feel about the Game Awards, they are the thing that takes up whatever week they're involved with. That's the news, much like E3. There's no point mm-hmm. in really putting any other news out. Um, that's not part of that. But before we get completely into the news, I want to remind everyone that this show is brought to you by all of you who come to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month. You guys are awesome. You'll help cover all the costs of the show, and we appreciate it. If you want to be part of that group and allow us to do more and have more of a back end to do things, um, again, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month, or at least consider it. And we are very appreciative to all of those who do so. Uh, if you can't do that, then it would be awesome if you feel the need or if you feel uh, so obliged to go onto the podcast service and give us a review to let other people know if we're worth their time. Or if you're on video uh, on YouTube, then like and subscribe and share the video with other people. But enough of that. Let's move into the news. The first thing is Sony announced that owners of Uncharted 4 or Uncharted The Lost Legacy's PS4 versions, either digitally or physically, would be able to upgrade either game to the entire Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection for $9.99. Following this announcement, Sony pulled digital versions of both games from the PS Store, presumably to keep people from being able to get in the door for $20 total rather than the $50 price tag for the collection if they didn't already own either of these games. Physical versions are still a workaround for this. So check out your best buys or targets at Walmarts and see if you're wanting to get into the door a lot cheaper. Um, they have $9.99 physical versions of Uncharted 4, which is all you would need to get that. Um, this is interesting because I think this is actually a, a great upgrade path, mm-hmm. but I'm not surprised that Sony had to be cheeky and be like, mm, it's a cool upgrade path so we can make people happy, but we're also going to pull. But I will say I'm a little surprised that they pulled those versions of the game as opposed to just increasing their price. You know, yeah. at that point, I'm surprised they didn't go, hey, we'll still keep it on there so that if you're a, a digital person and you haven't played Uncharted 4, here you are, you can play Uncharted 4. But you know what I didn't think about? How does that impact the PlayStation 5 PS Plus collection? Because if I'm not mistaken, Uncharted 4 was part of the PS Plus collection. Why don't you upgrade upgrade it? But when they pulled the digital version, did that pull the game from the PS Plus collection? Let's find out. That's a good question. But... Um, it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, I, I've seen people be like, Sony's in the wrong for doing this. I don't really blame them because this is an upgrade path for people who already had it. That doesn't mean that they should keep a cheap option for people who didn't already have it to come in and suddenly benefit from it. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, it's a rock and a hard play situation. I think Sony probably did the right move here, except for I think it would have been better to just go to Uncharted 4 and be like, hey, uh, Uncharted 4 is $40, and if you buy it, then you can upgrade to the collection for $10, and we're overall getting the same 50 as if you bought the collection. That's probably how I would have navigated that. Just go Nintendo. Be like, yeah, our game's full price again. <laughs> 40 was never full price, but, you know. Yeah. So I think that's interesting, but yeah, Chris, as you uh, do some detective work on that, let us know. I'm going to go ahead to the next thing. Uh, Sony have announced that they are ending the program where Sony rewards account holders can own earn points per dollar spent by purchasing on the PS Store starting January 1st, 2022. That will only be available to users who do so using a Sony or PlayStation credit card. Um, I do that, so this doesn't really benefit. This doesn't change anything for me. But the prevalent conversation here. And I think it ties back to something I've said many times. 
is that Sony's really interesting in the fact that they will often be the first people to do a program or among the first people to do it. And then they just kind of often botch it and then end up killing it down to a point where they're just not doing anymore. Um, I've seen so many people kind of look at this and be like, I wish Sony would, instead of killing off their rewards, I wish they would evolve their uh, award system, uh, reward system rather, to be like Xboxes. And I'm not really big into the Xbox one, but it's all tied into like being and getting achievements and trophies. And these are things, are achievements. But we've seen Sony do that before, where if you got trophies, you got information, you got uh, points towards your reward account. And then they pulled that, and then Microsoft were like, "Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll we'll use that in ours." Yeah. But Sony doesn't have a search engine, <clears throat> so I guess quick question: not that y'all care, because it, this is not like a huge point for really anybody at this point. But ideally, if you had like a, a quick thing, what would either of you, or if you just really don't care, you can answer that. What would either of you want to see out of like a revamped idea of like, hey, let's really make a PlayStation rewards thing, not Sony rewards, just PlayStation rewards, like. Would y'all want to see something mirrored more like what Xbox does, or do you have bigger aspirations in mind? Solid. You- I, I don't care solely for the fact that the reward, like proprietary reward systems like this, don't matter to me because I have my Amex card does rewards, but it doesn't lock me to a specific service, and it's yeah. it's typically better rewards than what proprietary services offer because I'm not locked to those certain services. Yeah. Sure. So it's just one of those things of like. I could be, I could get a free PlayStation game if I want to, or I could get free, you know, body wash or something at the store. Like yeah, it doesn't sure. really bother me. So your so. goal is to move it off from being something else and just tell people who are upset about this, hey, instead of doing that, just find your reward system elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, if you have good enough credit to get a PlayStation credit card, you have good enough credit to get other reward credit cards that are more generally that are more general. Yeah, and I'll tell you, there. I use the PlayStation card just because I'm not big on applying for more and more credit cards, and I just had that one. It's like my first real big credit card, uh, and I do benefit a lot from it because, of course, I buy that way to the point where, like I've said multiple times, I haven't bought a game that me and Chris have game shared. I haven't physically mm-hmm. put cash out for a game, and I can't remember the last time if it wasn't a collector's edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but to that end, I've thought often because I know Saul's Amex card. It's like that is a pretty good reward system. But do yeah. I really want to? Do I really want to apply for a new credit card because that hits your credit if you don't already have? It doesn't one. hit your credit too hard. But I only use two credit cards. I use that one and I use Amazon. Just because if I buy something on Amazon, I use Might that. Well. Yeah, yeah, and then I get that 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 reward system there is absolutely crazy. Like I don't see how they make money on that. Well, it's Amazon. <clears throat> they don't have to worry about that. That's true. <laughs> All right, Chris, do you have anything that you'd want out of it, or are you kind of like saw seek elsewhere? Yeah, not a credit card. Like if I was gonna want a Sony Rewards thing, it would be for trophies and games. And at that point, it wouldn't be retroactive. So I don't even care at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you would want a, a, a reward system that comes and goes, man, dude, you've got like a hundred platinums. Here's uh, here's a wad of points. Yeah, I mean, let me yes, ask you this because <laughs> let yeah. me let me let me ask you this: if they came out and they said that you would get one hundred dollars for every platinum you have, or you will get, but not retroactively, would you be irritated or would you be hyped? Irritated. So you, you wouldn't look at that as a new chance to start a new PS Plus profile and just make money? No. Okay. No, because I already did I, this. To be fair, I mean, I'm in the same boat with you. That's the only reason I don't trophy hunt anymore. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing this again, kind of thing. Or, or you know, what's worse is that Chris literally lost his old plat, like old account, and yeah. he has spent many of his years trying to re-platinum games he already platinumed. Yep. 
I don't have it in me. I'm like, Saul, I like trophy hunting and it's fun. But I'll tell you right now, if I lost my mortal shell platinum because my account went poof, there's no way I'm doing that again. Yeah, like I'm, I would, I'm more likely to do it again on the PS5 version as a separate platinum just because yeah. I enjoy the game than I am to out of spite be like, I lost it, but I had it. I will get it on PS4 again. Not happening. The, one, Titans, the stuff that really... The one that really gets me is I had a Bad Company 2 on that old account. <laughs> and yeah. that was a really good one. That one, Modern Warfare 2, and which I did buy myself. I'm assuming... Did Bad Company have online trophies? Oh, yeah. I boosted the so, hell out so of those. So you genuinely can't get it anymore, right? Yep. It's impossible to get. RIP, bro. Unless those, uh, <laughs> bad, those, um, the, what is it? The, uh, private server guys bring back Bad Company too, then maybe. Sure. Yeah. But even then, sure. I remember boosting those, not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. <laughs> um, I also did check. I had to log into my PS5. You can get Uncharted 4 in the PS Plus collection, but it now says exclusive to PlayStation Plus. To the PS Plus collection. Yeah. Interesting. But the upside is, is that Sony's online network is robust <clears throat> enough to take it away from everywhere except for the PS Plus collection. Look yeah, at them getting fair. mildly better technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next thing. I think reward mm-hmm. systems are just an interesting thing across the board, and so many people want things, but Sony doesn't have as many avenues to make it a reality like uh, Xbox does, but I kind of agree with you, Chris. I don't really get why they ever took away the hey, as you earn trophies, you earn points. I mean, I don't, you're literally just rewarding people for playing your playing. games, and that would make, if someone's sitting here going, I like that game on Xbox or PlayStation, but if I play on PlayStation, I can get more money on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You have a higher chance of getting people to want to default to PlayStation if they know they right. get rewards and out of earning. It doesn't even have to be so. that much. Give me like a dollar, you know? Like, I don't care. It's just like, it's the same reason I like Growing my numbers. You, that's the whole point of everything I do. Just kind of. That's what it used to be. Ten platinum was ten P, ten dollars in PSN credit. Right. And you're that's, earning it towards there. You know, it's not like they're giving you ten dollars to spend anywhere. So, but exactly. oh well, we'll see if Sony ever comes back around on that. I think that the real reality is that while there are people that do care, I think the majority of people just don't, and that's really what it is. Um, yeah. All right, next thing up after being absent from the Game Awards, the newly reformed Telltale Games has come out to promise that they will be dropping new info in regard to the Wolf Among Us two soon, specifically in an upcoming issue of Game Informer magazine. The information is not exclusive exclusively about the wolf among us 2 but also about working on a new engine or in a new engine since coming back and rebuilding telltale as a new studio <clears throat> with the legacy of an old studio and more i'm excited more? for the wolf among us 2 i don't necessarily know if the next info drop i need is really from a game informer magazine i would have preferred a trailer but you know here we are um i think it's interesting to see um chris yes telltale wolf among us what's your thoughts Wolf Among Us is great. Um, I really like that that game. I just hope they pull it off. You know, it's I can't. I don't know how many people are still there from Telltale, or if this is one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the ship? Do you know what I'm talking about? The ship of Theseus, I think it is. Where it's like at a certain oh, point you've yeah. replaced it. You've replaced every piece that it's not the same ship anymore. You know? I don't yeah. Know. Sure. It's like the idea of people talking about, you know, ever so often, eventually, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but like your body is essentially a new body because it's all right. your shells. All your cells have shed mm-hmm. and been replaced by new cells. Um, it's an interesting idea, but this kind of brings up that thing of 
uh, you know, often when people talk about uh, the order since Ready at Dawn got bought, there's this idea of like, who do you give the order to? And can it be as good if you give it to someone who wasn't the original creator? And Probably. there's always a weird balance because oftentimes the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, um, so the, the real question here is, does this team need anybody who was involved with the Wolf Among Us one to really still make a genuinely great game? The answer is no, but is everyone's belief that it will be a great game without having to play it first be higher if you can tell me that, hey, the writer for the first Wolf Among Us is involved in this one? Yeah, I mean, it's a point of comfort because it's like something I know is there even if the rest is new. Um We'll see how it ends up going. I mean, I think Telltale have not, as far as I'm aware, released a game at all that wasn't just a repackaging of an uh, of an old Telltale game since they've come back. Yeah, they f- they finished Walking Dead. So well, yeah, but that technically, was like a, I, well, yeah, it's a new it's not, new new episodes. So yeah, new games. Yeah, true, but within a built in system and part of games that are already gone. But fair point. I mean, it's new content, but we haven't seen anything that's like new engine or anything like that. You get what I'm saying? Like we're we've not seen the mission statement of the new Telltale yet, because sure. it was more like, hey, we got to pick up where the old one left off so that we can wrap it up and then go forward. But I still need to play that because I like the Walking the, Dead, but. the final chapter or yeah. whatever it's called. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, announced during the Game Awards, the original Battle Royale, as they call it, is going free to play. Starting January 12th, PUBG players will be, or PUBG will be free for all players. Also, PUBG Battlegrounds is the worst name in the world because it's Player Unknown Battlegrounds Battlegrounds. And I've said this a million times, but it's just a bad name. <laughs> it's not That's called, called. Isn't it just called Player Unknown Battlegrounds? It's not called PUBG Battlegrounds. No, they, they renamed the, the game PUBG. PUBG Battlegrounds. Oh, okay. Then that's stupid. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find the wiki for it. But yeah, it's it's just very odd. I don't know why they chose to do that. Uh, here we are. Games, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. I wonder if I can find that. Because it happened a while back, and I just thought it was a very odd choice. Okay. P-U-B-G colon Battlegrounds or PUBG previously known as Player Unknowns Battlegrounds is an online multiplayer. Yeah, so they renamed it PUBG Battlegrounds. Yeah, fair. I don't know. I've made this joke a couple times, but I think it's really funny that they put the date the game should have gone free to play in the trailer, which was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, basically, I'm... I'm it's one of those things where most people, including your brother, Seth, walked in. He's like, I thought that was already free to play. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, they're giving it away. Like, you can get it on PS Plus. Like, I don't know. I just, the second Fortnite was free to play, they should have just dropped the price. I don't understand why they kept charging 30 bucks. Or at the very least, the, the, the second that Fortnite was obviously a huge success, after, like, for more than just yeah. a handful of months. When it, like, when here, it started eating their lunch. Yeah, the year one of Fortnite, like once the first year hit and they realized that it wasn't going anywhere, it should have been like, all right, guys, we got to pick it. But instead, here mm-hmm. we are f- four years five. later. Yeah, five years. Five, whatever. So it's rough, but that's where we are. Insane move. Uh, see, next thing up, Sony have announced the acquisition of Valkyrie Entertainment, developer of 2015's Guns Up, and a support studio that has assisted on many games, including 2018's God of War, the Forza Motorsport series, and more recently, Halo Infinite. The acquisition, according to Harmon Hulst, is to act as a support studio who will, quote, be making invaluable contributions to key PlayStation Studios franchises, end quote. Uh, Valkyrie marks their fifth acquisition this year, and if I was a man i'd say that 2022 is going to hold 
more. <laughs> yeah. It seems like we're in this point where it's just Microsoft and Sony. I mean, and there's other companies, but Microsoft and Sony really batting for like who's going to acquire who first. Um, we're in the age of acquisitions because presumably games are moving more and more to a point where there is a potential chance that the console isn't the main focus anymore. Mm-hmm. Even if they will always be around. And so it's going to become a thing of like, which place has which games? And the person, the place that has the most games and the biggest names are going to be the ones, kind of like you were talking about last week, Saul, with the, the idea of like multiple streaming services, mm-hmm. where it's like eventually it will get to the point where it's, all the money is only really going to be made off of who's got the better service. So if PlayStation moves from being less console oriented and more, hey, you're going to buy games off of the PlayStation store because we curate and this is our list of games that we either think are good and have helped fund or that we outright own. That's going to be where the money's at. But um, it's interesting. Chris, what are your thoughts yes, on sir. this? Um, I don't know. It's uh, like a support studios are important. I'm glad they have their own in-house ones so we don't have to pay uh, Crystal Dynamics to do it. well you know the this is a second support studio realistically this year because nix is in many ways is just a support studio but i guess they're more a a port studio but it's so that you can take the porting work off of the main studio and just give Mm -hmm. it to someone else who's still in-house um i wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point where support studios are in the majority of acquisitions for the next few months. Cause it's like all these places that do great support work. Why not fold them under our wing so that every studio can kind of lean on them and they can be involved with almost every game we have so that games can be iterated on quicker. And then hopefully all of our primary studios that actually have the names that people recognize like Naughty Dog or uh, Insomniac or Sucker Punch, we can have them coming out with games more often. I think uh, we're at a point where the industry needs to catch up to Insomniac where you just, <laughs> Every every two years, you have at least one game, right? Yeah. Because uh, we're going to a point where like Naughty Dog doesn't have a game for like four to five years at a time. And it would be ideal for Sony if they can have, hey, new Naughty Dog game every two to three years. You know? At least, yeah. Just grow your studio. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, and I know uh, Saul had hot, hot, takes on this which i think are, i'm kind of in line with ps5 Talking is finally getting its, yes. oh yeah yeah <laughs> saul has hot takes on dan dehan <laughs> garbage actor uh anyway ps5 is finally getting its first third-party controller in the way of scuffs reflex reflex pro and reflex fps controllers the reflex and reflex pro keep the dual senses adaptive triggers uh, but the reflex fps swaps the adaptive triggers for instant triggers that react with a tap meant to be in line with like a mouse click um, mm. the controllers are available in a handful of colors at launch and with swappable rings around the thumbsticks and the thumbsticks themselves to accent those colors, but the price of entry is not cheap. The lowest tier model, the Reflex, starts at one ninety nine. The Reflex Pro comes in at two twenty nine, and the FPS comes in at two fifty nine. I think this is cool because more options are always cool. But what are these prices? I knew the prices were going to be up there. I knew yes. they were too because Typical I'll tell you right prices. now, this right here is a scuff controller, and I love it, and it's cool. But it costs a lot of money. And this was before Scuff was owned by This Corsair. was before Patreon too, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> this is fully out of my pocket. 
because I thought it would be an interesting thing. And I played with it quite a bit before I finally was like, yeah, I'm just going to let it be the, the showpiece because I think it's a cool looking controller. Um, but I think even this one was like 140, 150 yeah. maybe. And that was before Scuff got bought out by Corsair, which arguably their quality is better now because they have a, a lot higher backing and Corsair does make great products. But man, that's way too much money. The bigger thing that's kind of interesting here is that when Scuff were completely by themselves, it made sense that they just bought PlayStation controllers and then reused most aspects of the controller. Yeah. Like what this is, this is literally a DualShock 4 that they just bought and then molded new things. So, so the internals are all DualShock, but then you mm-hmm. have like a, a custom faceplate to a, account for their custom housings. You have the back that they take off and do all these things for so they can put paddles and stuff on. But in reality, it's just a DualShock 4. And seemingly with this, these new ones are just dual senses that they are modifying a little bit and you're paying over twice the cost of a DualShock for, um, how are they getting away with that from a legal standpoint though? Now that they're actually owned and backed by like a legit company, Corsair. So I don't know. <laughs> partnered with Sony, but I would, I would actually they argue that, that these prices are not that insane. This is in line with the series, uh, the elite series controllers. They are, and I'll give you that. Contextually, they may not be insane, um, but I think that even the Elite Series controllers are quite expensive. Uh, mm. And having not had one, you have the best experience in that because you literally have one. Uh, but yes. having not had one, the amount of times I hear people talk about the quality of them and how often that they have issues or break. Thankfully, it seems like I don't think you've had any major issues out of yours. Nope. But Mine's been great. for a lot of people, at least vocal people on the internet, <clears> it <throat> seems like the cost versus the actual quality of the controller is a little odd. And that's probably the same here. Because like you know the, um, the Switch stick drift issue that people talk about? All mm-hmm. controllers deal with it. I think the Switch gets hit harder yeah. because of the fact that they're on the Switch Lite built into the system. And then on the Switch normal... They're part, still part of the system, and you can't ultimately use the you can't use the system without your Joy Cons on the go. Without so well, people hit a lot harder, but in a lot of the ways, the actual analog underneath, not the stick, but the actual analog device that is used is the same in the PlayStation. It's the same in the Xbox. It's the same in everything, probably including your Elite controller. You know, so it's like you're paying. $200 for an Elite controller that still has the same $0.39 cent analog stick underneath it or whatever you want to call it. It's probably well, about $0.39, cents, but you know what I mean. $8 or whatever it is. I don't know. The Elite controller is hefty. But I think with these, you're paying for the extra stuff. I don't feel like you're paying for dur- for durability because I don't think any of these controllers last any longer than or any less time than like the regular dual sense. The normal controller. You yeah. know, you're paying for the back buttons. You're paying for, at least in the case of the Elite controller, you're paying to take the, the, the joy co- joysticks out and replace them and the new, the D-pad and the back things and the weight and the fact that I can put feather trigger triggers or... Yeah, the, yeah, the trigger stops and stuff. So, like, you're paying for all of that. And while, yes, it would be nice if your $200 controller lasted longer than your DualSense, you're still paying for a modified DualSense, you know what I mean? So I think mm, sure you're getting this. I personally, at least in my experience with the Elite especially, you're still getting the same amount of, like, lifespan on a controller. It's just this is a, a more advanced controller, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it sure, it sure does. And something that 
even, you know, it's easy to see and go, well, that's way too much money, but then not think about is that the benefit that uh, Joy-Con, like normal Joy-Cons, normal DualShocks and all that have is that those controllers are produced in mass because mm-hmm. the market for them is much higher than the market for a pro controller. So right. the market for a pro controller means that they can't be made in such a high quantity. And that means that the cost per build goes up. And so that price is being offset by the fact that they're not going to take that on the chin and be like, well, we wanted to release a pro controller. So to keep it competitive, we're going to absorb the $20 cost difference to make the controller or whatever right. that dollar amount actually is. Yeah, so I mean, I- I'm with you, but I think much like Saul, it's just you still see it, and it's like that's just—it's this idea that like two hundred, let's just call it two hundred. Two hundred dollars mm-hmm. is half the price of a of a digital PS Five for just the controller. Now, if you but you're paying for something that's niche and that you want. The, the yeah. system is built for a large audience. This controller is built for a very small one. Yeah, I'm not. It's one of those things. I'm not even saying. I don't think you should buy it. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you didn't buy yours, right? It was a Christmas no, present or something. I bought, birthday present? Yeah, I bought my brother his. I bought my brother one for Christmas, and then the next Christmas he bought me one. And yeah, I love it, but like, I'm glad I didn't pay for it for myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I will say see. my Dex brother's saying. Elite controller is broken, so. <laughs> Whatever, but <laughs> if it, it was a year want. later, he probably bought. He it's probably two had years one elite, and you got the Gen Two, right? No, he got. I got him the Series S as it came out, or the Series Two. It was two the years. Series ago. Two as it came out. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I always heard that it's whatever the price is for the Elite controller plus a twenty dollar uh, Best Buy warranty. Because like you could just take it back up there, sure. and then just they'll give you a yeah. brand new one. Yeah, you I've should. heard that too, and I hear that's I, worth it. Yeah, it is. Arguably, that might even be worth it on a normal controller. Or a switch, or, really, yeah, or a switch. Really, the, it's worth it on anything because I I had headphones that I did that with, and the woman was like, "It was like a, two, a one year warranty," and he was like, "At day three sixty four, come back, get a new ones, and then the warranty refreshes." And it yep. was she was telling me that like if we run out of this model, you just get the new model, so you'll just continue getting free headphones for the rest of your life, basically for twenty dollars. Exactly. Yeah, and so you're saying that you don't have to pay the 14 again. You just have to swap the product. Yeah, you just swap the product, and then the it by resets. day three, six, four, and it will yeah. reset that one year. That's exactly. Wild. That seems yeah, like gaming the system. <laughs> I don't see how that's profitable for Frito Lay. <laughs> anyway, uh, next thing up is and also it's profitable for Frito Lay because they don't have to worry about all the people who eat Doritos and then touch their <laughs> controller because now <laughs> the controller can be fixed so people won't hesitate to buy more Doritos. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. God, I love Pepsi Cola's even got a little bit in here because Mountain Dew is just on the docket again. You know what I mean? You don't got to worry True. about spilling a little doc- Mountain Dew in your in your controller because it's covered. You, you know can drink I mean? Mountain Dew out of the controller now. <laughs> And then go swap it for a new one. Exactly. Hey, my cup is broken. I need a new cuff. (laughs) Oh, boy. Terrible. Uh, Last thing on the news before we get into uh, the community's take and then kind of the the roundup is the after months of silence. What did I say? What? No, no, no. You said the news. I was just joking that you said we're going to wrap up the news and then get into the news on the TGAs. That was just... Fair enough. After months of silence, a small little update through the PS5 uh, PS5 UI's news card system states that Blue Box Game Studios are ready to show more of Abandon, teasing a Q1 2022 release for what they are quali- calling, quote, the prologue chapter. Uh, 
they conclude the update by saying a specific date will be announced shortly, so stay tuned if you care. The main thing that's interesting about this, and I know this is technically part of the, the Game Awards, but mm-hmm. I think that there was this moment where everyone felt mildly validated if they were believed, like Team Believe, <laughs> in the yeah. Game Awards when Jeff Keighley showed off the new game from the original Silent Hill creator. Yeah, because what happens is he's like, he's like a prominent Japanese developer. And you're like, okay. And he's like, I'm proud to announce this. Like, this sounds a lot like how he talks about Kojima. And then yeah. he's like, the first thing on screen is, uh, in 1999, they released Silent Hills. And you're like, no way. Yeah, and then it just ends up weird. being a new game from someone else. But I think all, like, I know me and Saul in that moment were like, what? And then it was, we got we got the the wool pulled over our, our eyes, but yeah. it's funny that this is coming back out because we're at what at least three months of silence, if not a little bit longer, from Blue Box, right? About that, yeah. I think like two months. Yeah, I don't think it's been quite three. Well, I know that you know they went through a bunch of stuff, and then it was like, hey, we're going to show this video that we released on Twitter, and then we're going to release it in the app. And here we are back again. I think what's interesting about this is how under the radar they tried making this announcement. So it's like for anybody that still has the abandoned app downloaded, which I actually do, and on the off chance that you happen to pay attention to the news card when you hit the PS button on PS5, you you have a, a little chance of seeing, hey, from the abandoned app, here's an update. This is probably smart because as I think most people are leaning toward this has nothing to do with Kojima at this point. Who knows? We could still be wrong or right or who knows. But if you want to try and be able to still talk about your game without being just dunked on by the media, your best bet is to try and be as low profile with this as you can until you actually have something to show. So this is probably the right move. But the bigger question is how many people still have the abandoned app on their PlayStation? How many people have just been too lazy to uh, delete it? Or have held out hope that it really is going to be something of value. And how likely are they actually to return to this, even if they still had that app on there? Like, is it just a reminder of like how let down this entire situation made a lot of people, even if they built it up in their own head? (sighs) It's interesting. Um, By the way, this, the teaser happened in August, August 10th. So it is four months. So we almost exactly three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Woo. I just checked. Yeah, that's rough. Which kind of blew me away. I was like, August, this has to be the wrong trailer. And then it was uh, Norman Reedus walking across a wooden floor. And I was like, oh, no, August 10th. <laughs> Norman Reedus, you say? Ah, it's Silent Hills, baby. <laughs> Team Believe. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kojima had a blue thing on his shirt. Oh, look at I'm that. Just saying, you know, blue for blue box. Well, red while, while for, we're talking I'm going to kill this, myself. We keep talking as about we, this. <laughs> as we keep digging into the as we keep digging into the fun. The fact that Saul didn't believe me, but I don't know if he went back and watched it, but it was 100%. So I was like, no, he didn't. Guillermo del Toro, whenever he was showing oh, yeah. off the trailer for that movie, had that joke of like, I'm a big, uh, and then he was talking about the nominations. He was like, I'm a big fan of when game designers have great vision or whatever. And then he goes, uh, a game series I always thought just really excelled in, in uh, design was Silent oh, Hills. They yeah. should make another one of those. Yeah. That that, I didn't like, say, I, I did not believe you. I was in disbelief that that was even <laughs> said to begin with. I know. I knew what you kind of meant, but it was just funny because it was so 
it was like I'm Obvious. gonna slide this in and not really give it like yeah, he didn't make a huge deal out of it. He kept going and didn't like pause on it or anything. But see, that to me was like a clear indication that like that Gamatsu or leak about Kojima doing Silent Hills is a hundred percent true. That that was like we're sh- that to me was like Kojima is saying I'm gonna be here next year to show my game, and then the next dude that he introduces is Guillermo del Toro, who's like, yeah, I'd really like if buddy. a visionary dude would would go ahead and make one of those Silent Hill games again. Like that was to me was like <laughs> okay, like this is like clearly a confirmation. Are we ki- are we kidding? Yeah. Now that's not confirmation that Blue Box is the studio no. doing that. Who cares about Blue Box Studio anymore? But ex- exactly. <laughs> Who cares? I still. Just you know the the little the human side of me. I hope that Blue Box rebounds from this and puts out a, a decent game that does well for them and lets them continue to make games. That's where sure. I'm at. But I don't want to see anyone fail. But I kind of yeah. don't mind if I never hear about them again. <laughs> well, yeah. At the same time, right? I mean, I don't want them to fail when it is an objectively solid game. If yeah. it is an objective, well, because that, that was always the thing about the blue box thing is they they started all of this, but I thought the abandoned like that first reveal trailer like it looked interesting. I like that setting of like the woods and like the creepy kind of, I guess survival horror, but it's not a survival horror game aspect of it. Like that all seemed cool, and then they put their foot in their mouth with, "Ooh, guess what the game is? Starts with an S and an H." What idiots! <laughs> <laughs> oh terrible all right let's see we're gonna go ahead and jump into the community's take which we kind of talked about you know how do you feel about the game awards in general and then as a result of when the timing came how did you feel about the game awards as it actually happened um and surprisingly not as much response on this as i would have expected but I think that there's a key factor in there from a couple of these answers that's going to tell us exactly why that is the take. And it's specifically the problem that I see that, as we said, the Game Awards is too long. Yep. Was the Game Awards is so American-focused in terms of timing, because, of course, it happens here, that not only is it long, we're going to go into Rude Cold's here. Uh, Rude Cold, he's over in the UK, and he says, it's the last time I wake up at 1 a.m. for any awards show. Really wasn't worth it. Way too long and front-loaded with good announcements, but then gets overloaded with advertisements. Was hoping for at least one new big announcement from either PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo, and they didn't deliver at all. Uh, now, kind of breaking that down, I do think it's interesting that not only do the Game Awards start when they start, you do have this thing where no matter what award shows or even any kind of gaming big keynote like this has to balance what's the ideal time to where the majority of people feel like they can get in and watch this live because live numbers are important clearly because almost every year except this year we normally see jeff come out and be like last year there was this many million people streaming this at once and it was this much over the previous year so it's something that's important uh but it's really hard to wake up at 1 a.m. and then stay up for three and a half hours for something that doesn't have three and a half the hours of actual entertainment value or information. Um, and I think that's a big thing. And part of the reason I can say that, and, and actually what he says here is front-loaded with good announcements. And I think he's right. Because the thing is, is like our day that we had here is that Saul 
Andrew, Seth, uh, little Seth, all came over here. We got pizza. We were hanging out. I left the pizza here, by the way. You did, I and forgot. it's in my fridge. I forgot. Um, I was so angry <laughs> that I had an extra pizza, and I was like, I got I woke up. I was like. Well, I was going to eat something today. Oh, the pizza. I left it at Brett's house because I put it in here and then somebody moved it. I don't know where they moved Seth it to. Moved it. And actually, he moved it onto the white table in there. The problem is I didn't even see it until yesterday. I'm not joking. Oh, I yeah. told you I've barely been home. Pizza. Yeah. I put it in the fridge, but I was like, it's probably a gone pizza at this point. But I'm just, I don't want to throw something away that wasn't mine. Uh, regardless, point being, we sat down and originally we intended to watch the Game Awards while playing Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. We were going to do it here in the studio and have the little confidence monitor we have over here that we see Chris on over here to the side of us. Well, the Game Awards started with enough of a bang to honestly keep us on the couch, and it was able to keep threading us along far enough to where we just kind of stayed on the couch for about an hour. But then it started getting worse, and then Saul's like, I just want to, since Seth was late, I'm going to show him this cool thing that happened earlier because what's happening now is not cool. Yeah, it was the Magic Dragons concert or something. Uh, it was, I think it was the little musical sing-along where we thought it was the Lollafell. Oh, yeah. That's when we decided <laughs> to move into here. The Imagine Dragons, I think, is when we decided to fully move into here. But, yeah, it's it's kind of that idea of, like, it held our attention, and then the rest of the show just ended up being us playing magic while something was happening off to the side. Yeah. And it, I never felt like we missed anything by moving in here and taking focus off of it. Uh, Chris, did you get to watch it in real time? I did. Or were you more, like, catching up? Oh, you did. Nice. <laughs> Well, um, I started watching it late because I was at work, but I ended up by the time it ended, I was caught up in live. So cool. Um, For most of it, I was. Skipping. Do you kind of agree with that? From like, so, so, so did you get to kind of watch it in order, or did you recap? In, I watched out it in order. order. It was just up. like when there were ads or something, I could just skip. You, would, like, you could skip through. Yeah. Every time they did that really crappy Facebook stuff, I was like, I don't care about this. Move on. And the, <laughs> but I watched the vast majority of it. Okay, um, cool. Live. So do you feel like you agree with that statement that it was front loaded well, and then just kind of fizzled out slowly? Yeah, it was completely unbalanced. Like I've made this point, you know, to you guys, I think privately, but like, how do you end your reveal show? Because that's what this is. This is a reveal show and an advertisement show with a couple of awards wrapped up in a lie of being an award show. Yeah, exactly. But how do you end that with quite literally an ad? How is your big reveal an advertisement for a movie? How is that what you end on? Like you can say like oh it's really it's the cool Unreal Five demo I want to see the new graphics but there and I, I know I'm a trophy guy but there are no trophies for this game right which means that the platform holders do not consider it a video game and that's what you're ending your video game show on <sighs> okay it's it's weird because I think the reason that I agree with you is that they the what they actually ended on didn't show anything of value. Now, the interesting thing is actually downloading and loading up the Unreal 5 Matrix Awakens or whatever thing is incredible. And the reason it's incredible is because what the Game Awards didn't key in on, but what the actual item did. That's why I'm kind of torn. If you actually load it up, this is showing you the future of next-gen gaming and showing you what real next-gen... I know know you did. For anybody who didn't and hasn't, I'm giving context in that regard that... If you haven't, first of all, I think you should. 
Now, I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here. I have barely been at home. I haven't had time to experience it firsthand myself, but I am absolutely doing so. But I've watched a very long, in-depth Digital Foundry video where they went through all of it, and it's crazy how good it looks and how and what it shows you about the, the future of gaming. What's that? I, I didn't think it looked that great. I'm not telling you really? it looked good, but I don't think... Like it was, I think my biggest problem with it was that the whole time it's Keanu Reeves and Kat and whatever. I can't, Catherine, that's not Catherine Zeta Jones. What's her name? Carrie Ann Moss. Why'd you do this? Yes, Carrie Ann Moss. It's Moss. They're talking about, we don't know what's real or fake. We don't know what's real or fake. And I'm like, I, this is all fake. I, I can tell. You know what I mean? So yeah, it took no, away from I, I, it. I'm with you. But it's still clearly a difference in between the two, play, but it's impressive. But in gameplay, I was like, okay, this looks good. But like, I don't see why this all oh, this all looks incredible. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't look good. It looks it looks great. Yeah, like, it's a top tier game. But it was also kind of just like, yeah, this is kind of what I've grown to expect. Like, I think Uncharted and Uncharted Four in action, I think, looks better than anything I played there outside of the cutscenes. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I disagree with that. From what I've seen, I do want to see it on my actual console and look through. Uh, but there's a lot of implications for it. And I think the bigger thing is it's, it's, it's clearly gaming-oriented because it's, unre- it's showing off Unreal Engine 5 right. on consoles, which we've not actually seen in a way that we can experience ourselves yet. So to well, that think, end, it's yeah. very video game-focused. But the way they chose to show it at the video game-focused event was like, here's a trailer for the movie, and then the, the Matrix Awakens thing is an afterthought. Right. That was guess, kind of the real problem of it, you know? Well, it's also my thing of like, imagine if Sony had, when Sony was doing E3, they'd ended their E3 press conference with a Decima trailer. Yeah. Fair. That's insane. I'm, People yeah, would be I, so I pissed, you know? Saw the entire night actually kept being like, what's going to be their one more thing? And then right, there, there wasn't, there a, wasn't one more, one. a one more thing. Yeah. Like, why uh, isn't, and, why wasn't Wonder Woman or Alan Wake the last? the last announcement like why because it would have been disappointing honestly for most people alan wake would have been sick but first alan wake or alan wake they they would have been more disappointing than enter than the matrix unreal demo well i think he's saying alan wake would have been good but like wonder woman wouldn't have been enough of a a, a wow See, I don't, I, really I don't know that I agree or disagree with that. It's I don't currently the least viewed trailer of all of them. So, you, so Wonder it's, Woman it's, was? it's statistically proven, yeah, that it is not up on people's list. So uh, like that would not have been a good... like Now, Alan Wake, sure. I think Hellblade could have finished off with it. That would have been fine. Sure. But The Matrix was, was not great. I think Hellblade actually Hellblade, probably would have... Star and, Wars... And it, it, Hellblade Star would have Wars felt too, like yeah. uh, I think Hellblade would have felt like when Sony did that. Uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a gameplay run through of God of War, and like it takes up a sizable chunk, and it like yeah. you leave being like, wow, I can't believe that was an engine. That's crazy. Like, and, and actually, it's funny, Chris. That speaks more to what I'm talking about because we're we're being told at least mm. that Ninja Theory are tapping into Unreal Five in some degree. Yeah, apparently for sinuous uh saga or whatever it's called um that actually probably would have been the better thing to end off with because it 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 directly talks about what i'm talking about where it's the implications of unreal 5 as an engine and the potential for future of gaming but showing mm-hmm. in the application of an actual game and not something that's meant to be a small experience yeah so yeah to that end that would have been pretty cool because you could have that thing of like where jeff keeps being like that is gameplay yeah that's awesome that it's gameplay and it right. looks amazing why was that not something that was more hyped up instead of being thrown in but i think it was I, i'm almost to the thought where i think there was a concerted effort to make sure 
that the pacing was front loaded. And I, I don't, exa- I'm trying to understand why, but there's no way you're talking about all these reveals and all these things and you're being like, yeah, we probably should spread these out a little bit more. It should well, be one great reveal and then a couple <clears throat> of small ones and then a one great reveal yeah. and a couple of small ones. And instead it was like great reveal, great reveal, great reveal, one small reveal, two great reveals, one small reveal, and then small, sometimes interesting we got reveals for the rest of the show. I I, th- I have to imagine that Jeff Jeff was self aware enough to be like this show isn't great. <laughs> well, and you know something you just said, knew right? People might fall of, out. Well, well, maybe, but you know, and I I do want to take a second to really look at this. A challenge that all E threes have, all reveal shows, all award shows, anything that's trying to entertain a group of people is that gamers are a huge group, and there mm-hmm. are so many different types of gamers, and you run into this problem of. Almost any reveal really runs the risk of having at least a section, no matter how big or how small, of gamers be uh. And so what you try to do is you try your best to balance it where it's like, we feel like a majority of gamers are going to be cool with this one, even if it alienates a couple. But then we can flip and show this more niche thing. And while that may make the bigger group of gamers go, uh, for a second, we've got the attention of the ones who went uh last time. And then we continue to kind of flip each side of that line as we go through. As someone who likes a pretty large variety of genres and games, I feel like it missed the mark. But I think that that's what they were trying to do. Because I have zero interest in looking at a K-pop thing rendered in an engine. But its I'm sure someone enjoyed it. It wasn't me, but that's okay. I mean, but... You know, that's why you kind of have this thing where it's, it's a standout bad moment for me and I think for Saul and for you. But... In the effort of trying to have a show that by the end of it feels like at least everyone felt like something spoke to them, it's just harder to do when you're doing it for three and a half hours. You know what's crazy? Actually, it's not that crazy because involving K-pop, I'm trying to find that tweet that I saw on Friday uh, of the most ranked viewed trailers. Oh, yeah. Because I I remember that Star Wars was number one and that The Matrix was was number two and that Alan Wake was number three. But at the very bottom, it was... Wonder Woman and K-pop. The K-pop thing was above. Here it is right here. Hellblade, I think. All right. So, and these might have changed because this is a couple of days old. Uh, but just for context here, Star Wars Eclipse came in 6.7 million views. Warhammer 40K, 2.5 million. Sonic Frontiers, 2.2 million. Suicide Squad, 2 million. It's crazy. Suicide uh, Squad looks amazing. Doki V. Rockstar, I don't really know what that is. Uh, <laughs> I guess I didn't see that or didn't pay attention. 1.8 million, Elden Ring Story 1.7, and Wonder Woman 1.3. That's not what I saw, but those numbers look th- those numbers look right. Well, I say that. And these were people who went back and watched the individual trailers separate from the mainstream. See, I remember the one I saw, the, I remember Star Wars having, it was either 8 or 10, but uh, it included everything. And it had that K-pop performance in there. It had the Imagine Dragons performance in there. It had everything in there. Yeah. And it was the, the fact that that K-pop performance was above, um, I think it was Suicide Squad. It was above something. And it's like, that's crazy. And then you realize, no, it's not because it's K-pop. Yeah. Well, real quick, to round off specifically Rude Colds. And Rude Cold, thanks for being a patron and a longtime listener. Uh, he says, was hoping for at least one big reveal thing that he talked about there. Do you really feel like there was... Uh, do you feel like there should have been a big reveal from one of those three places in a place like this? Or do you think it was as necessary at an event like this? Like, did you really expect PlayStation to have something, Chris, or, or no. Xbox or Nintendo to have something really new? I mean, you could argue that Xbox had something in the way of uh, Sinua and that PlayStation had arguably the same with Horizon, but that Horizon. was kind of about it, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess Sony technically has Chia, but I don't know if that's a first party game or not. Not first party, but and they've technically showed exclusive. It before, so yeah, which I'll say I, just Chia looks way better than it did at the State of Play. <laughs> right? I was so, so disinterested in, and, and then yeah. as it was going through, I was like, "This actually looks amazing." Right. Um, so we'll talk about that um, a little bit more when we actually break but down. No, the things, I, but I don't. I don't think so because I think to me all this says is that. So at least in terms of what we talk about is Sony's going to have a show at some point soon. That's what that's how I because this was there. Yeah, because they're like, okay, well, why would we show stuff here if we're going to do a show? You have to think maybe it will be after February, which would prove a Sony fan wrong because they're showing Horizon here. So maybe it's like, okay, well, Horizon is going to be out by the time we have a show, but. Um, but we're gonna have a show, so we're not gonna announce like Koji or Silent Hill or whatever it is. What'd you say? I said, or they're going to death loop it, where they do have something in January or early February, and they they're gonna show it to off. Show it. They're gonna show it off thirty times before it launches. Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, is I get that that gets annoying from us and people who are consistently on the pulse. But the reality is, is when you want something to sell and you want something to really do well, you have to advertise it like crazy. And the good yeah. examples of that is all the things we see, like Cowboy Bebop, barely got. Yeah, it ended up getting canceled on Netflix, regardless of how good or bad that it was. It got canceled, um, good. and in large part, partially because they don't really advertise it. We talked about Neo: The World Ends with You doing poorly because Square did not advertise it. The thing is, is that Deathloop has done better than almost any arcane game in the last entire console generation, and it was marketed like mad. And that's probably partially why. I mean, it had mm-hmm. other benefits like being a, a timed console exclusive and being an actual next-gen showcase in some capacities. Um, but I think the biggest reason is that it just got marketed. Everyone knew that Deathloop existed because you saw an advertisement for it at least once. Whereas I think a lot of people didn't even know the Neo, the world in which existed because it wasn't right. in front of everything. So it's it's crazy, but... Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on to the next one, we have Rude Days 93. He says, In my opinion, every year the game awards continue to get a little worse. Like previous years, the first hour, even if paced terribly and too many commercials, is still pretty good because the big reveals carry it and you add in a cameo by Jim Carrey automatically makes it a win, no matter how short. But after that, it's just so slow and long. And many celebrities just aren't that entertaining. Just have Joseph Ferris hand awards out and call it a day because his game-winning game of the year and his speech was some good entertainment. I'm actually <laughs> going to say right now, I don't think Jeff would ever get to the point where he'd want to hand off his baby to someone else, even though he arguably no. can make just as much money because he likes being the face of it. Yeah. But I, I arguably agree that I think Jeff is a, it comes off as a decent dude, but his hosting style I don't find to be excessively entertaining. Um, Dry. Yeah, so I would much prefer, like, honestly, either Joseph Ferris doing everything or if this entire show would have just been Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I thought the entire time he was on stage, he was fantastic. I was like, this yeah, dude's like charismatic. He's got the right attitude. If he continued to carry all this out, this would be a lot more entertaining for three and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I'm going to so, disagree with him there, though. I thought the Jim Carrey thing sucked. That was awful. <laughs> I'll tell you, I hated it was, that. It, it was, I liked it in terms of the fact that I like Jim Carrey and, and it was funny. I don't know what it had to do with anything. That was the problem. See, I, I didn't think it was funny. I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he's being Jim Carrey. So I guess that's why it was fun. But I'm, I felt like they could have tried to do something like, hey, let's have him 
do something in relation to Sonic. Let's have him do something in relation to his character of Eggman. And instead, it's just Jim Carrey talking about his father, his grandfather speaking in Irish, you know, with an accent. That's that's all it really is. (laughs) It's like, dude, why? Why is this here? That was I don't know. So, but yeah, Ben Schwartz was fantastic. Yeah, Sonic trailer was Um, probably the best trailer of the show. Oh my god, boy, it's so good. It does look good. Uh, so yeah, I think that one's good. And uh, that pretty much carries my thing. I do think every year it gets worse, which also, ironically, every year it gets longer. <laughs> it does, yeah. You, you, know, you think at some point you'd be like, hmm, how often people think it's good versus how long it is. There's got to be a correlation here. Maybe if we make it shorter, <laughs> more <laughs> people have a higher chance of be, of walking away feeling higher about the show. You know what I mean? Well, the longer it is, the more ads you can put in. Yep. More money. <laughs> and I, I said something to Saul the other day of, you don't really think about it, but now that he's got Summer Games Fest, Jeff Keeley's entire life and his entire income revolves around an event in the summer and an event in the winter. He has to mm-hmm. make enough money to keep himself afloat the entire year off of two events. So you bet your butt that he's in there like, mm, okay, if I get a head and shoulders commercial right here, that's two months <laughs> of, uh, here we are, you know, <laughs> uh, but you to it is a reality, Facebook but over and over again. at that point, the problem comes down of being like, just be more open about the fact that that's what's going on and stop trying to call this something that it isn't. And that's, I think what's weird. Now we haven't gotten to something yet. Originally, I said that we were going to give a $10 PSN card to whoever was closest with the amount of, rewar- of uh, awards that were given off screen. Crazy thing happened this year. As far as I can tell, no rewards or no awards, I don't want to keep doing that, were given off screen. They were just right. run through as quickly as possible on screen. This is the first yeah. year I've seen that happen. Normally, they would do this thing where they do a couple of reveals or a commercial no. break, and they'd come back and be like, "Hey, while we were on commercial break, we gave this award to this game and this award to this no. game." I think they did do it, though. I don't think they were as obvious about it, but there were definitely some times, if I'm not misremembering, where they would be like, "Okay, let's just use it takes two for an example," because I don't remember it on the top of my head. But it'd be like, "It takes two wins this," and they also won best ongoing divorce simulator you know what i mean like it would do that where they would they would get an award but then they would also have gotten an award that we didn't see i think they did that but i could be wrong you might be right and it was just a lot more hidden but i was i realized like it's so hard to get a count i'm gonna try and go back and figure out if i can even get a count that would be able to give us a winner if i can't i'm just gonna find another thing for us to do to put the 10 in uh to give the ten dollars away i just thought it was interesting chris though you cannot yes. make the statement of divorce simulator and not go through what divorce simulator is as a game can we have a little spiel of what your your like if you had to go sell divorce simulator to someone how do you sell this product what is this game uh the dark souls of marriage simulators it's the Dark Souls of Phoenix, right? Law, divorce lawyer. <laughs> now that I like that, that I might would play be that game. Actually, I would play the hell out of that game. <laughs> I was thinking like a high drama piece. It's funny that we're doing that. I was thinking like a high drama piece of like a kid who's having to go through divorce, and like you're playing the kid, and it gets really I mean, dark as he's going through. Like, do my parents not love me because they don't well, love each other? Is that's isn't that exactly what it takes two is? Like, isn't that <laughs> I mean, the whole premise? From what I, why, from what I understand, I, I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I, of course, anytime the simulator comes in my head, the actual first thing that hits my head is shower with your dad simulator, which is just hilarious. Um, and I just want more simulator games to be completely ridiculous. So <laughs> that's agree. where I'm at here. Uh, okay, so next thing up, uh, we have two more over here, uh, and we had a couple more, but you know, we we try to get to a point where um, we try to take ones that really bring up a point and have something of value to add. We do like hearing from you guys, and I like seeing if you liked it. But good examples, like real quick one of ones that we won't always include is like Liam just said, too long, no huge amounts, it's way overhyped. I get you, and I agree in many ways, uh, but we try to have ones that open a little more chance for discussion here, like. Danny Candyman Villalobos, one of our patrons. He says, I thought it was all right. Nice to see some surprise reveals like Wonder Woman, Alan Wake 2, and the Sonic 2 trailer. I thought for sure Metroid was going to win Game of the Year. I wish Ratchet & Clank would have won in at least one category, but still nice to see nominations, including Game of the Year. Now, part of the reason I really like this answer is because of how much it actually puts back... Excuse me. He fronts load, he front loads it with this talk about seeing the surprise reveals, but the majority of his response is actually in regard to the award side of this, which the show vastly undersells. It calls itself the Game Awards, and then I think less than a fifth of it was probably actually about the awards. Uh, and that's interesting because it's most of the responses have actually been about the reveals, which goes to show you that certain groups of people come into this as the awards are secondary and they don't really matter. This is a reward. This is an award show or a, a reveal show rather than an award show. And then you have people like Hammer coming in and being like, I really wanted to see awards given to people to nominate and look at games that I thought were great. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting dichotomy to see between people who are watching it. Uh, so I guess real quick, Chris, how much did you actually care about the awards aspect of this show? Zero. Like if you had to really look, I thought Chris, I mean, Saul zero, zero, the, the, really, the reality is that it's mostly zero for me, but there's a specific thing in here that kind of comes in the next answer that I do think is important to kind of talk about. We've been saying for weeks, though, that we didn't really think the award value from this is something that I would imagine most developers view as higher than some of the other ones like DICE and whatnot. I think no matter what, it's nice for your game to be nominated and to win. I think all those people that were hyped and got up and gave their speech were genuinely excited to have won something because they still got something for their mm-hmm. work. Um but where I'm going to go back to the 0% and actually up mine and call it maybe 25%, maybe maybe less. But Josh Shoot says, it was fine. Maybe cut out musical performances, though. I have more interest to try out It Takes Two. I It wouldn't have won Game of the Year if it was a turd. And... Josh messaged me personally, and I think this is actually the game, the the community's take I want to take out of this because it's a great question that still ties into the game awards by not being something we've talked about. Um, he kind of messaged me and more or less said, like, how much do you think the award value of something like this might act as a way to push people into playing games that they otherwise wouldn't have played? And I will say... Chris and I, as I said, have been talking about playing It Takes Two for a while because I've heard great things away from this. But there is that part of me, and I know Chris feels it too, because as soon as it happened, Chris messaged me and was like, hey, man, when are we going to get around to playing It Takes Two? Because there is that thing of like, it won Game of the Year. And while the Mm -hmm. Game of the Year here doesn't have to really mean anything of value, because I think most people are going to give their own game Game of the Year and look at their own thing better, there is that thing of like, the fact that it won does give you more of a push to be like, I really feel like I have a need to play this now so that I can be part of this conversation. Either that or what I really think is the answer for me and maybe for Chris is like, 
it won. And even though I don't value this award a ton, there's enough value in it for me to be like, I don't want to miss an experience that won Game of the Year, regardless of why it won Game of the Year, or regardless of how important the award's value actually is. So in that regard, I don't think that it's a 0%, because there are a couple of games that get highlighted as part of these awards that I'm like, I don't know if I would have played that otherwise, or that I would have felt as strong of a need to play it. But it went from, I really need to play It Takes Two to like, I really need to play It Takes Two. I've heard enough talk about it, and this kind of pushed me over that edge of, I messaged Chris back, and I was like, when are we going to figure this out? we got to figure out how to play this soon um, so that we can really talk about this apparently fantastic experience as part of our Game of the Year discussions. Um, so, that was all the answers we got on there. Um, for anything that I know, I kind of moved through those quick. Do you guys have anything to add to either of those? No, I, mm, I don't really know. For I, me. I just think people need to lower their expectations for the game awards. I really don't think this show is not in line with what came before. It was just longer. I agree, and I think that's actually why it was worse. It was in line, but it was just like lo- it was longer. Uh, it, it gets a lot better when you don't have to feel like you're ignoring large swaths of it. It was to the point where when we moved in here to play Magic while we were watching it, when we turned the TV back on, I thought that multiple ads were playing because it was a head and shoulders commercial. And it wasn't even like trying to be a head and shoulder commercial from what I can tell that was gamified, like to try and make it fit the theme. It was just a head and shoulders commercial. <laughs> and I thought, wait, did we, did we miss something here? But oh well. Um, so kind of going in, I think we're going to kind of get a, we're going to quickly move through all of the reveals in a way and then kind of just stop and talk about the ones that we thought really stood out in any capacity. So if any game that I bring up uh, going through this list, guys, if it, I'm going to try and give enough room for one of y'all to be like, hey, I thought that one was cool. Um, there's ones I'm pretty sure I know are going to be a big real, a big deal. So the first thing we're going to talk about here is Quantic Dreams Star Wars game Eclipse. Um, now, I know Saul and I were both like, this looks really interesting. And then not only did it look interesting, seeing Quantic Dream at the end actually made me go, oh, wait. So, Chris, I'll start with mm. you. Uh, are you a big fan of any of the Quantic Dream games? Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but like I like Heavy Rain. It's the only one yeah. I've actually finished. Jason. So, does <laughs> do them <laughs> being attached to this Star Wars game move the needle more than just what the trailer showed any more or less. Cause I'll say for me, I definitely like, I thought it looked interesting and then seeing quantic dream behind it. I was like, I'm even more in than I was, you know what I mean? No. Cause all the rumors are indicating that this isn't a typical quantic dream game to begin with. So I'm I was also fir- first thing out of my mouth. As I said, this is the first time quantic dream is making a new game with 10 cent backing and being independent. There's nothing mm. to say that this will be the style of game that Detroit or heavy rain was in. But, and that's both interesting, a little worrying, but also mildly exciting. Cause it's like, yeah. it's worrying because I know that their formula that they have right now works for me, mm-hmm. but it's also exciting. Cause it's like, what do they do with newfound freedom and a new hardware generation and these things? Like, do they really try and push their scope that much more? Cause Detroit adds a lot of freedom to their games that weren't in previous games. And it'd be curious to see how they continue to push that envelope and what a non story. I don't say story driven, but what a non choice driven story game from them really looks like. Yeah. Um, if that I is hope it's exactly good. what it I- is. I just don't think Star Wars is a good franchise, so like, doesn't move the needle for me at all. 
Now, that's interesting because I know that Saul likes Star Wars. And if I'm not mistaken, Saul, you have read some of the before Disney purchased the original extended universe books and stuff, right? Yeah, they don't matter now. They don't matter at all now, <laughs> yeah. sadly. Uh, but I know that there's a deep thing there. And what I'd kind of say is that I agree with you that Star Wars has kind of gotten to a point where the latest few movies really ha- didn't do much for me, sadly, for a number of reasons. But I think that there's a really interesting core there um, that can be tapped into. So I was actually excited to see it, and I know Saul was as well. Saul, what about it excited you? I mean, I know we were kind of talking like seeing, is that C-3PO? It's like the characters matter, but like... It's just a new Star Wars stories is always interesting to see how they do them. Yeah. I agree with that. I think, I, really the, I think the vagueness of the of the trailer actually helped it because, like, seeing all these these images and references <clears> and seeing this guy rise up from like this black tar, you're kind of just looking at like, what is this? And that's cool because I like the idea of looking into parts of Star Wars lore that we don't normally get to see from the most prevalent media, you know. So in that regard. I think that's really cool. Uh, another big one that I, I, I know Chris and I are for sure excited for, uh, and I think Saul is too, Alan Wake 2. Let's yeah. go. That's pretty good. Dude, that... I, I agree with Saul on one thing. I, I'm excited for it. I think the way they chose to show it was a little odd, because I know as it yeah. was going on, Saul and I were like, this is a little odd. And like, you know, the flashing of it and everything. But at the same time, there's a lot of implications that Control have brought into the Alan Wake universe that the game has to contend with now, which makes me excited. But it also means that you're going to have to try and pivot the way that you present the game. So I'm not surprised to see it. Chris, what are you excited about in an Alan Wake 2? Like if you having both of us having played it recently, what do you want to see them expand on? Um, I just really like the story of Alan Wake. I like the writer writing his own hell world, basically. Um, so here's I my like question, the really. Do you think, or how do you think, rather, they move forward with Alan Wake now that they've already done that? I don't. Do you think they can try and have it be that him as a writer is continuing to have to write, or does or is that gimmick sold and gone with this game? Do you really think it works if they try and leverage it in a second game, or do you think they have to change how they? I can't answer that him? question because I've yet to play the AEW DLC for Control. So I haven't either, answer. and and that might very well answer the question for us. But it's a survival horror game, so I'd almost bet that you're going to be playing Alan possessed by the darkness. I'd be willing to bet that money. Well, and the the ending of the first game is fairly vague mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yes, so yeah, that's a it's a fair point. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I'd like to see the gameplay sped up a little bit. Personally, I think that while it's a quite old game, so I'm not being that harsh on it. I thought the gameplay was uh, an interesting idea that felt clunky due to its age, and I'd like to see that sped up a little bit and be a lot smoother. I think Control plays a lot better than Alan Wake, yeah. but Alan Wake is a very interesting story and game and character set, uh, much like Control is. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see like you know what do they do now that we know that the Alan Wake events were an otherworld event as Control you know uh, calls them uh, an altered altered event or whatever. Um, I don't know. So in that sense, I'm very curious to see what they choose to do with this. But I'm not surprised as soon as they announced Alan Wake. Uh, as soon as they announced that they had the Alan Wake rights again. And coming. then that they were doing remaster, I was like, oh, yeah, they're doing two. And he's part of the AEW expansion. Yeah, they're doing a two. Uh, 
So that's cool. You know, I think uh, there's been a, a lot of times where Remedies had to walk away from characters that they've made, and it's not mm-hmm. always been for the better. Surprisingly, Max Payne 3 was actually a great game. <laughs> I was about to say, Max Payne 3 is better than the other two. So <laughs> it, 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 it is, it, though it also feels vastly different. Like, I, I do think it's a better yes. game, but stylistically, it's drastically different. You know, mm-hmm. they don't even try and keep it in tone, but it was still good. Um, Remedy had a hell right, of a show, thing, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, next thing up. Warner Brothers announces Wonder Woman being developed by Monolith, which for anyone who doesn't know are the team behind Fear 1 and uh, 2, and then also behind Shadow of War and Shadow of um, Mordor. Um, So they've already confirmed that the game is being built on top of and powered by their Nemesis system. No surprise. Mm -hmm. It's a really great AI system. Curious to see how they're going to bring that in here and if they're just going to do what Fear did with it and let it be genuine AI so that you have smart enemies that react in a way that feels realistic. Um, or if they're going to try and have something come in where they lean on the way they leveraged it in the Shadow games where they have you do something to someone, they come back with a vengeance based on what you did to them. Um, I don't know. The thing is... is I don't really know how much I care about the idea of playing as Wonder Woman as a character, but Monolith being behind it and me loving a lot of their games, I'm very willing to give it a try. Uh, Saul, do you did you have any could care? care less? I, I remembered seeing your face be like, mm. could not care less. I'm not a big fan of single superhero video games that aren't in my like. You have to be one of my favorite superheroes for me to care about for that. it to work. And so yeah. you think Wonder Woman works as part of like a Justice League game? You just don't think sure. So. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, if you don't not, care about her in the Justice if it's League not game, Batman or if it's not Batman or Spider Man, I don't care as a as standalone game. As a standalone game, yeah, I just don't care. Interesting. Oh, because it's single, yeah. Because I would say Guardians of the Galaxy, but Guardians of the Galaxy is also five. You have a Guardians lot more of the Galaxy or even Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah. But yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Chris, are you a Wonder yeah, Woman fan at all? I'm not a or fan, a but fan? I'll, I'll play. It. I do like Monolith a lot. I love Fear One, Two, and Three. I don't know, actually know if they made three, but I think they did. They did. And then I have the okay. Well, I'm still a Fear One and Two fan. And then I like yeah, uh, sure. I have the Platinum in Shadow of Mordor, and I didn't go back to Shadow of War, but I will at some point. So I'll play this. I'm excited for it. You can get me. I, I'm you know I sim for cape shit, so I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see what they're going to do here. I mean, this is we're we're seeing Warner Brothers seemingly want to try and catch up to Marvel's slew of hey, let's continue to make our games properties, which is interesting because they did it first, but then mm-hmm. they just let Marvel come in and start being like, we're gonna we're gonna bombard you with Marvel character games, and DC's like, oh, we can do that too. We did that before. <laughs> let's do it some more. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've already kind of talked about the the fact that it happened, but former Silent Hill creator uh, announces Slitterhead. <laughs> Very interesting looking game. And at first I was like, this kind of looks bad, but then in the context of it being like kind of a 2D looking game, I think it could work. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it was weird. I mean, it, I think it was also had to be balanced by the fact that it felt like it was about to be a reveal of something more than it was, and that's completely my fault. I mean, you know, me and Saul both kind of gave it weight that it wasn't there, but I'd also argue that whoever made that trailer should have known that the moment you say in 1999 Silent Hill was released, someone's going to be like, they're finally showing Kojima's Silent Hills. It's just kind of an inevitable thing. Um, that wasn't anything too big. Uh, do any of you want to talk about that? It looks interesting, but other than that, about it. Yeah. Uh, Arc Raiders, uh, rad robot shooting co-op game, didn't move the needle for me at all. Not, not at all. 
I thought Chris. it looked great until I found out it was free to play. Now nah, I don't care. <laughs> Actually, there was a couple of times in this that Saul went from like, well, that looks like it could be interesting, but it's free to play, so no. Actually, I, I called what it was from the second I saw it. You did. I'm just like, yeah. Nah. Now, this one's interesting, and I really do want to talk about this because it's vague, but it, it's vague in a way that I think is purposeful to a degree. Sonic Frontiers. Looks cool. We kept talking about how we were making the joke about Sonic Adventure 3, but a lot of people were kind of like, you know, this next 3D Sonic really has to like grip the entire fan base because the problem mm-hmm. with three with the Sonic games across the board is that they're always split. Um, moving Sonic to an open world, which is what this looks like, and I think they've confirmed, looks really interesting, and I think it could mm-hmm. definitely work. But something I said is kind of a joke, but then as soon as I said it, I thought, wait, this is actually a great idea, is when you saw like the big Colossus dude kind of stand up, I thought, Sonic, but Shadow the Colossus. And I think that's such an amazing idea. I think that you should be able to like run up around and then the whole room continue to kind of build on the idea. Um, Saul's little brother, Seth, uh, was like, you could have the, you could have it where it's an open world, but then as you start to climb the Colossus, it, and this actually might have been Saul, that was that me that said moved that. to 2D. Yeah. Uh, as a way to kind of like pay homage to both fan bases. Like when you get mm-hmm. on the Colossus to start running up them, it, it moves to a flat, like, uh, Kind of like Nier did when yeah, you're going yeah. around cylindricals, have where it's 2D and you're running up and you have kind of classic uh, Sonic style as you're moving up them. And then you have moments where you're also kind of bouncing around and doing Sonic Adventure style things. So There's not, a chance. Not to, not to compare them, but almost like how Breath of the Wild, the bosses, like they had like insides that you had to play through to, to stop yeah, them. So sure. that would be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, Shadow of the Colossus is still a good point there because a lot of the times they're like the final boss in Shadow of the Colossus is a puzzle. You have to figure out how to Mm -hmm. climb him. Yep. Like all the bosses are puzzles, but that's a good example of it being literally a platforming puzzle that you're trying to work your way up through. Um, So, in that regard, I think it's a great idea and I think it could be really used to move Sonic in a way that doesn't feel as corny as. I'm not saying that it was bad because I didn't play it, but Sonic Forces, I think there was a level of that where people like, it looks like it's trying to be adult and mature, but also corny all at the same time. Having not played it, I don't want to have a strong opinion. I've heard even from people who are normally pretty mad about Sonic that it was pretty good once they played it when it became free to play. But I think Mm. that's the example that most people are not willing to take chances on 3D Sonic games because they've been more consistently bad than they've been consistently good. But Sonic Frontiers looks cool. Yeah, Uh, Next thing. New Horizon Forbidden West trailer, seeing some more gameplay kind of go through that and looking. Um, it, it's quick snippets of gameplay, but I think it looks excellent. And they've been kind of showing stuff on the blog in line with it. I think this is great looking. And uh, I'm sure they're showing the PS5 version, but the game looks gorgeous. It looks way more saturated and very colorful. I don't know if that's on purpose or what, but it looks amazing. So I heard Pretty- you a couple times go, Man, that was cool. Yeah, pretty much the same exact feeling. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly what it looks like. Like it, it's hard, hard. The the pro, that's not even a problem. But the issue that I have with Horizon is like they can show us something, and I'm like that. It looks exactly how I expected it to look. Yeah, and it's, it's not a surprise. Yeah, and and because of the magic of the first game, it was like I've never seen that before. It's, yeah, it's not gone. Anything but it's like, like it's a known quantity. Yeah, you know, like they could do like like they did the elephant, and it's just like. That's an elephant. Like that's an elephant. It looked awesome. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I, I I hope that they could 
throw something in this game to make it change up a little bit. My hope is, and I don't know that it's going to happen, but my hope for this game is that we start seeing like where the machine that's continuing to make these things and have these animals yeah, and what that starts messing like. up. Yeah. I want to see it start spitting out like weird versions of multiple Hybrids. monsters that, yeah. are, that are put together because something happens with Hades corrupting the machine and you start seeing silence or whoever it depending on if he's actually bad starts to have an impact on what's going on so that's kind of my hope is that they use it to move away from everything just being robotic versions of normal animals which is cool and it's not lost its novelty but it doesn't really surprise you anymore and i think you could surprise people by actually being like here's new creations that kind of look horrific as part of this crazy overall story uh chris any thoughts on horizons new stuff no i didn't watch it i don't want to see any more of it I figured that's the one thing that I think the game's having to deal with is much like Deathloop. You're showing too much, but it's not, it's not even that arguably. I just, you I just need to. don't want to see the game. I'd rather just, I'm going to play it. Play I don't it. need to see it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but somebody else has to see it to make the decision. They're going to play it. The difference sure. for all of us is that we know we're going to play it. So right, exactly. it's going to be interesting. Also, just so you're aware still, you don't have to buy that game because the collector's edition comes with a digital copy for some stupid reason. My man. Was making I'm sure that you're aware of that. Playing Dying Light first anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I figured you were, yeah. Whereas Saul, I think, is playing Elden Ring first. So yeah. Speaking of Elden Ring, yeah. we got a new trailer showing a lot of new story elements to it. Now, Chris, I know that you're not a big Elden Ring guy. Not going to so I'm going to leave this one what I Saul. think about it. <laughs> yeah. I, and for me, it's nothing new. This looks cool. Yeah, it does look cool, but there was some, of course, it's just all mystery, though, but showing a couple of new people being like, what is this? What is that? But the game is where you solve that mystery, so it does look cool. Uh, Forspoken. This one's interesting. Coming back around. I'm so back and forth on this game, I don't know what to think about it. (laughs) I think it looks good at times, and I think at other times, I'm like, this looks really rough. And I don't know if that's just because it's new IP and they're trying to find their ground, but Considering that it's coming in like seven months, I'm willing to give it a chance. From what I've shown so far, I'm still willing to give it a chance. I will buy it. I just I don't feel like I know I'm going to like it yet. That's I, about as much as I have to say. Is that that pretty much sum I'll, everyone up? Yeah, I can tell I you the gameplay game. looks sick. I couldn't care less about the story. I couldn't care less about the story. The environment looked empty. It just They haven't tried to, to make the story interesting is the problem. They yeah. do this vague thing, but not vague in a way that makes you actually want to ask questions. Just vague. Because mm-hmm. you don't even have something that you can base the question off of. Mm-hmm. The only question you really have is why are there two worlds? Why is she going between the new and the old? But that by itself is not compelling enough to make me be like, I really need to play that game. I need more. Yeah. And maybe they'll give it to us and show it us. But I, I do want to... Like, I want to show support for new IP from Square because I think they need to. I think big studios need to be pushing more towards new IP except for uh, instead of it just primarily being like Sony, Nintendo, and PlayStation because they have motive to do it to try and get console sales. I want to see big publishers kind of do that. Like I think it's time for Rockstar to show us a new game and not just Red Dead 3 and Grand Theft Auto 6. But I know that everyone wants Grand Theft Auto 3 and or Grand Theft Auto 6 and Red Dead 3. So I don't know. I guess it's me. Uh, not everyone. Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League looks super good. It looks good. It, it looks, looks like, way better than I thought it was going yeah. to look. Chris, you it, look like you're not as sold on it. It looks great, but I hate that the Flash is a villain in this game. I hate it. Not because I like the Flash, which I do. It's because it doesn't make any any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. 
Now, why the do you flash, think it doesn't make sense? Because the Flash can run f- so fast. I think in, in the comics, he'll, he has run a thousand times the speed of light. And you're trying to tell me that Captain Boomerang can kill him? Shut up. That sounds like that's a that sounds stupid. That sounds like a flaw in Flash's design, though, to be fair. No, it's yeah, not. You can't make that's a, the point yes, of the is. Flash. No, that's the point of bad DC writing. You can't make characters invincible. And then the second there's a He's challenge not. for them, all of a sudden. No, but, but you just made it sound like he can't be touched. Right, That's like, the what's point. the point of running a bajillion miles an hour? But then, then what's the what, then, what then he's invincible, char- right? Yeah, what kind of character flaw can he have? He's a bad character. I just mean, like, that's a just like Superman. Take. Superman, and that's Superman also is a, bad a terrible. Take. No, that's a no. Both no, of sir. those are awful takes, and we need to move on. No, I don't yeah, we think do. <laughs> it makes any sense <laughs> that, regardless, even if he was, even if he ran three hundred miles an hour, it doesn't make sense that a dude with boomerangs and a shark and a girl with a baseball bat could kill him. It doesn't make any sense. Don't run. I'll, I'll give you that. And look, I'll give you that in the sense of, and also I was about to say, I think he is nerfed. I think part of what's going on here and clearly they're leaning on the Brainiac him. thing where they're corrupted as part of that. And the whole goal is that the only people that are still around to be able to do anything is the, the Suicide Squad because yeah. the he- heroes have all been co-opted. Um, so I think that that's clearly a good idea. And I think looking at it at a macro level and being like, hey, having some ragtag group of villains try to overcome these corrupted uh, heroes but not in the way that like injustice tries to do it, where it's like an event makes and it's suicide squad. Who even says they win? Yeah, which is the point. Exactly. Yeah. The, <laughs> well, no, he's nobody the first says they boss. win. That's is that the what thing. the game actually said? That's what they said. I don't know. Yeah. That he was I the mean, first. They showed he was a boss, Aside, but I didn't yeah, see him saying he was the first. It seemed like he was set up to be like the villain the across first. the game. Uh, I well, that I think might, I have that to might kill be the all of them. They even showed Superman, so it's, he's definitely not. I mean, eventually, yeah, eventually they have to kill the Flash. I mean, if if the goal of the game is for the Suicide Squad to actually win, which remains to be yeah, the question. It's, it's um, weird. And, and we don't know to what extent like he's being controlled. It could be something that could be taken out so as the control stops. It's hard yeah, to say. Them being corrupted is actually part of what I was thinking too. Like, you know, they're, they're, you have freedom in writing with that control to have it to be where they're not as cunning or as resourceful as they usually are due to some kind of outside influence. And they may not actually lean on that. And if not, then Chris, I think you have a stronger argument about the fact that there are characters within DC that I normally, I'm not going to say that they're just, I agree with Saul in the sense that that's normally why I don't care about Superman stories is because he's very hard to write to where there's real stakes because they've constantly made sure that they continue to make him better and better and better to the point. It's like nothing can stop this guy. So why I shouldn't even believe that there's real, (laughs) it may not not be the the point, point. but I'm telling you (laughs) why I don't care about Superman. because I don't feel like there's any realistic stakes that I could believe because you've shown me that no matter what, it's honestly why I don't, why I haven't bothered to watch Dragon Ball Super because no matter what you're going to make Goku suddenly pull some new power out of his ass and he's he's once again just invincible <laughs> and you're going to continue happen. riding him into this invincible corner go ahead tell me why no why do I you don't no no no, no 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 we're not going this far off the podcast we got a big old list to go through we've been going we for do. an hour and 40 minutes we do we're not coming right. becoming a comic book podcast i think the game looks great and the thing i wanted to it say that uh, i know that saw and i agree is that uh, my take may suck but it's my take <laughs> it is my take as well this looks uh this looks an awful lot like Sunset Overdrive. It does. I not in a bad that. way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it looks, but it looks, it looks really fun. good. Also, 
if this is a games as a service, which remains to still be seen, which we've talked about, Chris, whether or not this is going to happen. Not. Please be like Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I hope it is yeah, as well. But is. if this is a game as a service, this is a much better foundation of a way to make it work than what yeah. I'm seeing from the way they chose to do Avengers. This automatically looks better than Avengers to me. This looks way better than Avengers. <laughs> oh, yeah, way better. Uh, and I'm not even really trying to crap on Avengers at this point. I more am. so than I'm trying to say that this is how you take multiple characters and put them into a world that's interesting and play. I'll hold you accountable for that, Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. So, because by definition, that's what people will say. Oh, you're crapping on them. If that's accountability, then sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a Plague Tale Requiem. Looks I still need to play the first amazing. one. Amazing. But yes, I think it is, it's a game that I would not play out of serialized fashion. You should definitely play the first if you have interest in playing the second. Considering it was free on PS Plus, uh, if you were lucky enough to grab it, then please play it. It looks great. Um, I don't want to say much more than that because it's a game that I think the majority of talking about what makes it exciting is all story focused, and I don't want to spoil anything. Here's a moment. Saints Row. Nope. Chris, nope. you think looks Saints like Row shit. looks amazing? No, I don't. Really? I think it looks awful. Do- it does. It looks boring. Okay. It, looks, it looks flat. It looks like w- the story looks like it sucks. I have no interest in that game. Okay. I, I s- clearly have misread something then. I, I, I Blake credited thinks something it looks to you. Good. That's what it is. <laughs> I was okay. going to say, I was gonna say, Brett was like, Chris thinks this game looks really good. Or isn't that watching it? I, I, like, I, yeah, I must have been reading you and Blake's and just like as I was glancing down, mixing your two names and responses I, I, with each other. I, Blake was like, oh, this looks really good. And I and then I laugh reacted and he was like, it really does. And I was like, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> this looks like okay. Watch Dogs mixed with Grand Theft Auto Online. Not Grand Theft Auto 5, not Grand Theft Auto 4, Grand Theft Auto Online. I just, yeah, I have no you know, like there's there's things me I'm neither. seeing that showing this makes me go back towards like there being a little more Saints Row here, but I'm not that interested. I don't think it looks great. I hope it does no. well, just for anybody that wants it to do well. Uh, next thing up, Final Fantasy VII remake finally coming to PC. Uh, the, I don't think that's anything that we have to talk long about, but this it's is clearly coming at some point. Yeah, so seventy dollars, not surprising. PC. Yep, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, Going to finally see them PC prices start to move. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anybody that didn't think it was going to happen. Right uh, on sale. Next thing, still rising. Um, I'm actually, this is what's interesting. This is one of those ones where I'm having a hard time recognizing it from name alone. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. This, yeah, this is the new game from Spiders. Yeah. This actually does look about, excuse me, mildly interesting. And it being Spiders and me loving, um, Greedfall means that I have a high chance of playing this just because um, it's uh, so unlikely that we'll get Greedfall 2 because they got bought out by Nikon uh, that we're just, this, this is the closest thing I'm going to get. So I'm hoping they've learned all the lessons that they needed to learn as they went into Greedfall and they continue to make games with those lessons intact uh, because Greedfall was their first game I've ever been able to beat and I thought was amazing. So we can hope that this ends up being amazing as well. All right, uh, let's see. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax Combo. <laughs> Whatever, it's Ultimax. Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, we must have missed that. You know what? That's probably one of the ones when you were trying to go back and show Seth Star Wars. No, because that was in a performance. It might have been while we were moving. Could have been, yes. But no, we moved during Imagine Dragons. <laughs> then I don't know. I don't know either. That's okay. We Oh, we were a little late. Coming in to the show. We, okay, missed, we had to set the TV up and stuff. Yeah, well, not even that. We were a little late too because of pizza. <laughs> we actually oh, missed it. Oh, yeah. We, we missed Forza like, winning and yeah, and, and at least one reveal. Uh, let's see. Pizza, it's garbage. Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2. This is cool, but I I'm think not, it looks good. I'm not a massive 
I want to be a Warhammer fan. I just can't be. Yeah, it, it looks cool. I'm willing to try it, but I'm not saying I am going to try it. Chris, any thoughts on Warhammer? No. No. I like okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is giving us yet another asymmetrical horror game, which I guess is exactly what's going to happen with these kinds of horror games of are this horror franchises that are one guy kills a lot of people. So I'm not surprised by that. Um, I, but I haven't really loved any of them. That's kind of the weird thing here. Um, who is a developer here? Sumo Digital. Hmm. That's interesting because Sumo is a great developer. Yeah. They hmm. did, um, okay. I like Dead by Daylight. I don't really need another one of these though. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you have Dead by Daylight, Friday the uh, what Friday the Thirteenth game that they yeah, made. Thirteenth. Uh, we have the Predator game they made. We have the Jason game. Uh, well, that Friday was Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> I'm Yeah, I, I don't know why my brain does that sometimes, but um, yes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's getting flooded because the thing is, is that even if one of those manages to continue building, and I think of all of them, Dead by Daylight's the one that's maintained the most popularity. Yeah, it's still excellent. Either either this game kills Dead by Daylight, which I guess is just capitalism, baby, but no. probably not, or this gets killed because everybody just sticks with what they know and D- Dead by Daylight, who has brought in so many other franchises into it anyway, that Bloody it kind of excuse the need. Yeah, it excuse <laughs> the need for a, 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 a full-on game. So, like, as a single player, like survival horror, kind of what I hope Gollum is, where it's like there's no real combat, it's all just stealth. I would be interested. I'm not interested in a multiplayer Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Basically, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it's alien isolation and you're just trying to get your way out of, like, you, you're trying to survive the night. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to hide from them, and that's the whole thing. There's traps. That would be cool, but. That game kind of exists, though. That's basically the evil within all the times that you're not actually shooting people. Yeah, I'm just saying this game specifically <laughs> should be that. Fair point. You know. <laughs> sure. Okay, uh, Battle Royale. We already talked about that with PUBG going free to play. Rumbleverse is yet another... <laughs> it's a Battle Royale brawler is what they're calling it. But, dude, what is with this? <laughs> you know, Free-to-play brawling games. Uh, and this is Epic Games publishing this. I don't think this looks great. Mm-mm. No, it looks awful. This, this looks a lot like Knockout City, which came and went. And I don't mean that in like actual gameplay, but they show it off a bunch. And actually, stylistically, looking at this, it looks like if you shove Knockout City and um, that racing game that everyone forgot about, Destruction All Stars. Yeah, it looks like we just shove those two together. Their marketing style, their art style, everything, and it means it's probably going to be very forgettable. Uh, it's interesting to see them continue to pump so much money into those types of things. Star Trek Resurgence. I, eh, I'm not a big Star Trek fan, nor did I think that looked in, like, incredibly interesting. I think the most interest that I've ever been in Star Trek was. Um, uh, bridge commander or whatever it was called that was vr and like everybody had a role in the ship and it was about surviving out the, you, know, or, you know using that to go through i don't think this looks great uh, it seems like from your responses that that's it's the just, same for everyone yeah, else uh, so instead babylon's falls coming in march 2022 i think this game looks okay i'm significantly less excited for it than i was when all that we saw was like a weird cg trailer when they first announced it i don't think it looks terrible took too long took too long to come out i do agree with that um announced too early uh, and set odd expectations. But now I, on a cold day where I don't have anything to go on, I might buy it and play it, but that's about it. Uh, Among Us VR, 
not a lot to talk about there because that's coming PSVR, but we still don't even have Among Us on the other consoles besides Switch. So right now I'm in a, a, a holding pattern of not believing that Among Us is hitting consoles until one of them actually finally releases. Did I make Among it Us up is fun? But isn't that coming out like in a week? I thought it was the 13th no, of I, December. They they finally gave it a release date, but you know how long they've been talking about this? Oh, and it yeah. just keeps not existing. So I mean, it's uh, been so long the game's not relevant anymore. <laughs> I think the game's still fun, and they're doing a lot to try to make it fun. relevant, but it's not nearly as relevant as it was. You are correct. Yeah. Um, also, I actually think this could be super fun. <laughs> I, I could see it. As much as I'm kind of crapping on it, I could see this being really fun, but that remains to be seen, so we're going to see. Um, something that we talked about a little bit earlier, and I guess we can go ahead and say it here, is uh, kind of in the same vein as Sonic. We got to see the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer, and I think this is fitting. Uh place to put it because it's very game focused and even more so after looking at the story that they're choosing to employ which mm-hmm. is clearly pulling from um, Sonic 3 yep. where they introduced Knuckles in the original games I knew that Knuckles was going to be in here I was always wondering how they're going to do it and it's exactly what I thought about he's going to be antagonistic towards Sonic due to Robotnik's meddling and dude seeing everything that they showed seeing the Master Emerald seeing every, like, dude, it, it looks so good it's it sad that awesome. that's like my favorite thing to come out of there, other than obviously. The I think it, I think honestly that might be the most hyped I was the entire game night thing because I was just like, this is so cool. This is this is everything I wanted it to be. Seeing that it's that I didn't think that they were going to be ballsy enough to do. Sonic Three is the story too, pretty much. Here, yeah. Here's the thing that I really think happened. I think that originally the first Sonic movie was not intending to be that game accurate, and instead. They just ended up kind of doing this thing where they listened to fans who wanted it to be more game-like with the design, but they couldn't change the movie much. So while the movie was solid and I enjoyed it, it didn't feel like it was that indebted to the game's lore. Instead, Mm -hmm. I feel like because they learned the lesson in the first movie that everybody wanted it to be more game-like, when it came time to start working on the second movie, when the first one did well because of game fans responding accurately, they were like... We got to go into this game making sure we're hitting the lore. We got to we got to talk about the Master Emerald. We got to talk about the origin, like the origination of the rings. We got to talk about the Echidna and what their role is. And every bit of that coming together looks so awesome. I can't believe that this is happening this way. Yeah, also this is really good. This didn't sound like Idris Elba to me. I was like blown away. I was all, like, oh, that's but I him? loved it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it awesome. sounds so good. It does. Oh yeah, dude. I'm I'm excited. Uh, Okay, Life is Strange, True Colors, Dev, which is Deck 13, are adapting a game for Telltale Games, which is interesting. This is actually one of the times where Telltale Games is doing something, but not themselves. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't feel much of that. I don't know what the expanse is. I know it's a show, but I just don't know much about it besides that. Good Um, show, good books. I've heard great things about it. I just haven't watched any of it. Uh, next thing, Fall Guys is getting Halloween Town, Nightmare Before Christmas crossover stuff. This this is information that I'm not surprised to see here, but I don't think it moves a needle for anybody. So mm. there it goes. Fall Guys is still kicking. That's good. Uh, Evil West, the third person. This actually does look okay. Uh, the little third person Doom looking style game. This, yeah, that neat. was this one, uh, if you remember. Yeah. This looked cool, yeah. but also this looks like a game that can be visually cool, but it misses the mark everywhere else. So I had to see way more before. That's I, the one where the cinematic trailers, we were like, that looks kind of mediocre. The ones on the gameplay were like, that looks okay now. Yeah, I, I think that that is correct. Well, how, what is that rating? Uh, rating pending? No, go back. Likely mature 17. What is I've it's unrated. It's, it's currently unrated. I've it's never seen them guess at a rating. 
Yeah, this, this looks cool. Um, so we'll see. Really, that's the best thing I can say. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but I'm willing to give it a chance. The thing is, is that this kind of reminds me of a game that's trying to look into this idea of being like a more action-y Soulsborne style game in a lot of the ways that they're trying to present it. And that sometimes works. Like I think that that uh, Lies of P, Pinocchio original story that's trying to be Soulsborne looks cool. But I want to see this actually come together and see what it ends up being. If it's more Neo-like, if it's very action-y, I'm willing to try it, though. And I think Focus makes a lot of great games. So. The character designs mm-hmm. for that game is really cool. But then again, yeah. uh, they stole from Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, they also stole it from uh, Dark Watch, just with a little more stank on it. Like this looks just... And also, there's a game uh, called Helsing or something like that. You mean an anime called Helsing? No, it's. I'm trying to actually remember what it's called. <laughs> One of the but it's basically of a van. It's a Van Helsing Diablo style game. Uh, don't know if that would be any good. Hold on, I'm gonna look go, up real quick. Go look up Magical Musketeers for Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, you the Incredible Adventures about. of Van Helsing. Literally, literally is what it's called. Yeah. So okay. it's an action RPG that is very highly rated on PC only. There goes that. Uh, let's see. Last few things here. Journey. Uh, oh, here it is. Cuphead, the delicious last course, uh, is fine. Uh, I haven't gotten around to playing Cuphead, even though it that looks game is the one most ongoing game. Yeah. Um, let's see. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands got shown off. Cool. Uh, I actually liked a little banter there. Uh, it mm-hmm. was pretty cool, though. I thought it was so interesting that you said that because <laughs> his little brother Seth said, "Oh, this kind of reminds me of watching you play Brutal Legend." And then I look in the Discord and I see they missed the opportunity to cross over with Brutal Legend here, <laughs> and they did. I completely it, agree with that. It looked like Jack Black too. So when it didn't sound like him, I was like, "Why did you do that? You know, like why didn't you just do Brutal Legend then?" Yeah, but I think it's because at this point, I well, sure, actually right. think. As weirdly as it is, I don't think EA owns the rights to Brutal Legend as an entire IP. I'm pretty sure that uh, – um, oh, God, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of their development studio. Um, I don't remember. I can't believe I'm doing that. Um, double Flying – hold on. Double Fine. Double Fine. <laughs> double Fine. Double thank fine. you. I Tim, think Double Fine, yeah. Tim um, – I'm. I'm, my whole brain is failing. Tim, Tim Schaefer. Schaefer. Yeah, Thank you. wow. God, Chris, you're, you're just really on one today. You got this. <laughs> um, I, know I think that they retained the rights yeah. to that. So I guess at this point, it would have to be Xbox exclusive. But honestly, even if it just was like, hey, on Xbox, you get to play as Jack Black's Brutal Legend character. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Uh, either way, last couple things here are last thing. Uh, this one's very odd. Metal Hellsinger. This is the one they had Matt Heafy come out from Trivium and be like, hey, this is a first-person uh, shooter game that's a rhythm game. And that description sounds cool. It does. What it was shown, I don't think it looked as... Uh, okay, I don't think it looks good. I'm going to say that. I, can I don't think it looks absolutely terrible, but Saul did make a really good point. This is... Okay, this is... This is the perfect game that you see on the background of a movie. Like you, like somebody's playing a video game in a movie, this is the game. But they don't want to have a, to license out a real game, so, so they like, create they like a, little CGI stuff. This looks just like a fake game. It looks like a demonic from Grandma's Boy. What's weird is that a this actual picture looks cool. Yeah. The moment you actually go to the gameplay, it, it does, completely loses it. it. The, the, the HUD is bad. The, the game could end up being fun. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but stylistically, I am not a fan. What was the name of this game again? Because I don't remember this. Now I have to see it. Metal Metal Hellsinger. 
I'm literally watching it right now. It it's weird because it kind of reminds me of Doom, and it, it, the whole it looks like someone was just playing Doom. I was like, what if you just took Rip and Tear and just made that's, an entire that's what game they did out but, of crazy metal? But stuff. it's already like that. <laughs> it, that's the problem is that Doom is already that. Doom is already like a metal tempo game. So like then you have this. Oh yeah, okay, I remember this. I, think, I yeah, thought I this think, was a VR game. That's why I didn't think it looked like crap. <laughs> no, but it looks like a VR game. I said the exact same thing. I thought that this would look cool as a VR game. I was like, this completely loses it as a, you know, as a standalone game. Pricing is everything too, though. If that's a twenty dollars game, I'm a lot more willing to try oh, you think, it. You think those music licenses amount to twenty dollars? That's why I don't think so. But it depends. If they wrote original music for all this game, then it's okay. If they're if they are pulling other songs, you in, saw they had like Lamb of God and stuff like that. Well, in there. those people are involved with the game. But this could be like when Corn wrote the entire oh. soundtrack for Queen of the Damned movie. It was just original song you know what i mean yeah so they could do that here i mean in a lot of ways uh that's what doom just it did a lot of original music that's awesome so yeah it's interesting that's it um, If sims 3 think, can get rise against to do savior and simlish it can't be that hard yeah is, that, is rise against really in sims sims yeah. 3 there is a version of their I'll song set. savior that yeah, he sent. I have it. You don't so gotta good. worry about. It. I'll I'll show them. That uh, is their ver- it's Savior, but they got Rise Against and the singer to sing yep. the song in Simlish. It's so good. I don't want to see this. This sounds like one of those nightmares that you can't wake up it, from. It actually genuinely doesn't <laughs> sound bad. Like it sounds like Savior, just in gibberish. <laughs> Yeah, I got to remember where you put. I think you posted it in the trophies on here. Yeah, uh, but very, very interesting. So, uh, what's our community's take for the week? So, the community's take that I'm doing is actually going to come courtesy of one of our listeners. I actually like doing that anyway. So, it's from Josh Shoot, and I'm going to word it his exact way because I think it's I, I like doing that. But the spirit was kind of what I said is when you see the awards, uh, do certain awards tend to push you more towards having a reaction with the game. So way he worded it right here, he says, does the game awards have a sway on whether somebody wants to buy a game or not, especially those games that happen to win awards? That's how I'm going to leave the question. Okay. And you uh, answer once I get it posted. And I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, his answer. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. He says he had light interest in playing. It takes two, but now when it won game of the year, like he said in his community's take answer, he wants to try it. And uh, I agree. I think that that's something that's actually one of the benefits of the award. So we'll talk more about that next week. But thank you guys for joining us for 241. I'm going to let Saul do the outro rigmarole as he always does. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, So you'll see us next time, of course, for episode 142. And if you want to be able to join in with Community's Take, feel free to join us in our Discord. That's linked in the description below. You can follow us on Twitter at TriangleSQRD. We have a Facebook group called a called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And of course, we have this YouTube channel and we're across all podcast services, as Brett mentioned earlier. And as Brett also mentioned earlier, we have Patreon over at patreon.com slash nartech where you can support us just for as low as a dollar a month. That helps us out with studio costs, uh, RSS feed monthly costs. Actually, it's a yearly cost now, but it's stuff that goes into making the show that is behind the scenes that is kind of... It's not cheap. Uh, it definitely helps that it doesn't have to come exactly from us. It can help come from you guys who help support the show. So go over to patreon.com slash nartech and support it if you love us. And of course, a cool benefit for that is at the end of every episode, Brett will read out all the patrons and you guys get live credits done in Brett's voice. So that is it. Thank you all. We'll see you for uh, episode 142. Thanks, Thanks Chris. guys.
And a big shout out Hi. to our patrons, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, <sighs> Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Chihudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all.